The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. And please don't tell me my audio, my video froze again. This is so stupid. Oh, further in heaven. Anyway, whatever. We'll deal with it. Uh, I am your host, Roddy Cat, and you can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nurse Need on Twitter. You can also find me at CB Caps on Instagram. And the sound effects you've heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn rep- representing BK to the fullest one agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? We're Brooklyn! We're Brooklyn! We're Brooklyn! Uh, yep. And folks, we are, as always, on. Um, Brought to you, well, we're not brought to you by work, we're brought to you by ourselves, but we are on the Cole Slither Podcast Network, that's cspn.us. Do it today. That's right, you can find us and many other podcasts at that uh, at that website, go check them out. But you can also find us on your podcast personal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or the Cole Slither Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Um, and now, guess what? We uh, record, well, we record every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. on the, the Click Nation's uh, YouTube channel. That's D-K, uh, that's D-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N. But now we're also recording live at the same time on Twitch, and that's twitch.tv slash comicbookchronicles. So yeah, you can go check us out. Hopefully, we're going to be doing some other stuff with the channel outside of just bringing you this every week. Like we may, you know, we'll, we'll absolutely we'll probably be streaming some video games and whatnot. Depending, on, we're, we're still working on it. The, the channel's brand spanking new, but hey, go check it out. Go give it a follow if you feel like it, and you know, we'll um, you know we'll see each other there. In the meantime, we are going to start the show, which now that I think about it in that intro that some of you may or may not have heard because it'll probably get cut out of the audio, um, I should have given a little bit more of a a rundown of what the Comic Book Chronicles is. But, um, you know what? We'll get into that as we get into that. But we're going to start off with the new releases of the week, and we're going to start off with Captain Marvel number 21. Right. And the reason why we're starting with Captain Marvel number 21 is that we are putting the cap on the most recent Marvel event this (laughs) week, 
that being Empire. And this is essentially the last regular crossover issue of the event. Uh, we are in part four of the accused in the Captain Marvel uh, book proper. Uh, it's written by Kelly Thompson with art by Corey Smith. And uh, Corey Smith and inker Adriano Di Benedetto do, an, do a very credible job in this issue of uh, of telling a, a pretty active story. This is the last, essentially, uh, battle issue of uh, Empire with the last of the remaining Kotati um, invasion forces uh, being dealt with by Captain Marvel and her uh, assistant accusers as, uh, as, uh, as the, uh, the story developed the last issue. Doctor Strange helped to divide the accuser power into uh, Captain Marvel as well as, uh, what is it, three other people as well. So you had Spider-Woman, uh, War Machine, and Hazmat um, receive power uh, uh, from the universal weapon. And uh, they are able to better effectively take on the Kotati. And essentially what happens in this issue is that they're uh, trying to eradicate the uh, Kotati infestation in uh, New York City and rescue some of Carol's, uh, or specifically one of Carol's neighbors, um, Mary L. Spoiler alert, mild spoiler alert, because it's been revealed for a couple of issues now that this is Carol Danvers's uh, Cree half sister, and she. L'Oreal. Uh, oh, L'Oreal. I'm sorry, Mariel is the mother. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, L'Oreal. Uh, L'Oreal is uh, you know is uh, is brought to bear on the uh, Kotati invasion forces, and she picks up the universal weapon and. It was teased earlier in the series that it also sang to her, that she could hear the song that the weapon, uh, you know, kind of uh, played or sung, um, and she could sense it and, and respond to it. And when she touched the universal weapon, her appearance changed similar, uh, uh, much more so than Captain Marvel's did. Captain Marvel's uniform turns into the green Cree uniform that we saw in the Captain Marvel movie, but um, but uh, L'Oreal turned into uh, a more accuser-looking uh, character, much much more similar to Ronan, the accuser. So uh, she essentially takes on the mantle in this issue, at least temporarily, while they deal with the rest of the Kotati invasion. But ultimately, um, you know, this is. Uh, kind of a uh, it kind of fits into uh, a part of the Empire story that's probably told in Empire Six, and then at the end of the issue, we also get to the uh, some more aftermath stuff where uh, L'Oreal has taken on the mantle of Accuser in full, and they move on with their story, and um, that takes us to the two Empire aftermath issues that came out this week. Yep, uh, and I guess with that, we will go to the first one of those two of this week, which is um, Empire Aftermath Avengers number one. Which, you know what, doesn't matter, because I, I do like the naming 
of of these books because they they just kind of supposedly flow because the aftermath of Avengers Fallout Fantastic Four, but the way they kind of have them listed out is kind of weird. Like you don't because the other books have been Empire Avengers whatever 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 you know Empire Fantastic Four whatever whatever. So in reading the title of it, I was thinking it was the other way around than what it was. Regardless, semantics. Um. So yeah, Empire uh, Aftermath Avengers number one. So this obviously takes place after the um, uh, issue six of Empire. And um, we get to see a lot of, well, we get to see some exposition, which I said uh, before the show, some of which probably could have done either during the event or before the event, uh, especially the stuff where um, Hawkling's talking to his grandma, Arkell, uh, you know, about what's going on, but we do get to see the, um, another scene of the, uh, wedding, or actually another wedding event, uh, between Hulkling and, uh, Wiccan, which was nice in the, in the gathering therein and all of the heroes and everybody was, which there was something else about that. I was going to check for something else, but, uh, I'll, um, I'll, I'll deal with that later. So, but, um, it's, I enjoyed this issue because like that, you know, you get to see, there's some things you get to see because everybody's kind of on downtime and, uh, the, the, the ceremony happened and everybody's at this gathering until, and, and talking about things. And there was a nice little toast to Mar- Mar- Marvel, which can we talk about how stupid the earth, uh, the earth focused, uh, Cree names are, have always been like Marvel, Carol, Laurie, oh. It's a naming. I was about to say it's a naming. Uh, I know, I know. <laughs> it's a mechanism, you know. I know. You like even back when when Captain Marvel, the original Captain Marvel, um, you know, you know, when first heard about them, I'm like Marvel, really? Novar, you know, it was like okay, well, Novar was kind of, you know, I don't know, but that one's silly in a whole different way. But regardless. Um, everybody's there and, you know, and they're going through the motions of things and there's talk of giving a gift to the earth and, you know, what should happen to the earth and things like that. But then, so I don't know if you thought this was weird, that whole part with, uh, Abigail brand that just kind of stops everything at first, there's always got to be drama at a wedding reception. I guess so. But what, cause it seemed at the time, it seemed like it was out of place up until later on in the issue where mm-hmm. it kind of makes a little bit more sense. But at the time it was like, is this real? Now granted, if you know about the character of Abigail Brand, she's pretty much will speak her mind regardless of where she is or whatever. So that in that respect, like, yeah, it was on, it was on, it was on brand. <laughs> uh, but, oh, no! <laughs> but, <laughs> But it still kind of seemed out of place for the time and place, and and for the time it was, which Hawking kind of addressed. Uh, but also, that whole thing of like her and Carol was like, okay, Carol hasn't been um, like I get her point in it, and I won't go into what she's what she's talking about. But Carol had has had nothing to do with Alpha Flight for probably a few months or probably a good year now, I guess, or something. Like, I don't know how long the time frame was, but it's been a, a good it's been a minute. But that said, you know, her, what she brought up was something legit. Like, hey, you were supposed to tell, I guess I am going to get into it. Like, yeah, you were supposed to tell us when everything popped off, but you didn't. You just went with the Avengers and just and just went for yourselves and, 
you know, didn't tell us anything and people, you know, we could have done things and a lot of people's lives got lost. I get all of that. Like it was, that was a legit conversation to have. That wasn't the right place for it. Um, I mean, it had to come up at some point. That's what's true. funny about that. I thought, you know, and this is something that had come across my mind early on in the crossover. Like where is alpha flight and all this? I mean, right. we understand right. that, Gamma Flight is essentially what Alpha Flight was over in Immortal Hulk. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, you know, what the remains of Alpha Flight were, you know, considering that Omega Flight or Beta or, yeah, or Gamma Flight, I mean, yeah. had essentially uh, reformed using um, the, 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 the main chunk of what Alpha Flight was. Well, I assumed it was just pretty much all what was whatever remains of Sword and you know the support staff and everybody, Abigail Brand and pretty much everybody else. Right, right. So I mean, them. I I guess right. I guess uh, you know I'd always kind of wondered like what happened to them. Why didn't they respond? Right. Why? Well, with oncoming Armada, they didn't just like kind of stick their noses in like, hey, this is Sword. Right. You know. Well, so uh, and I do remember at the beginning of the issue, they the like Carol or somebody said, "Hey, yeah, we will get around to talk to talking to you know, like yeah, I'll I'll mention this to to Alpha Flight because Alpha Flight was mentioned early on, and they say they were going to get into it. I mean, they they were going to so, and even Carol would kind of reiterate that like, yeah, I was going to call you, but it's kind of like it was pretty much that like yeah, I was going to call you, but X Y Z happened, you know, um, and they they got caught up, so. Th- that was kind of addressed, and Abigail, you know, Brand just kind of stormed off after, you know, sneaking one in on Carol. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely uh, sucker punched. Um, but yeah, she was. So that was a whole thing that was like seemed kind of out of place. But even despite the fact that, yeah, I get it. Like, yeah, that was some stuff that definitely needed to come up. And like Agent Seventy just says, like, yeah, where in the world were they on all this? Because they could have been some. Something could have happened. Uh, but they were just kind of also ran. Even the way Carol explained the situation was like, yeah, I meant, like I said, I meant the call, but, you know, we just kind of got caught up and we were having drinks and people came through and forgot all about you. You were, you were also ran. Sorry. <laughs> Something like that wasn't that bad, but regardless. But the rest of the issue is, is pretty much like I said, um, is dealing with, you know, well, what happens now? And there was a nice little get together. There was a nice little group shot with the, the younger Avengers and the new uh, West Coast Avengers and all of them, because all of them pretty much were the same people. So all of that was pretty. I, I enjoyed that whole scene because it was a nice little touching moment. Uh, but then at the end, uh, something comes back up. Oh yeah, I didn't mention the fact that, like Agent uh, Seven just said, uh, Carol's sister just goes from being just introduced to becoming a, a, an accuser, and I joked about there being nepotism like right off the bat because you know, mm-hmm. like she ain't been too long in this in the uh, into being created, so or, or into coming up rather. So, but regardless, uh, to end this all off, we get. Um, we get a hint of something that's coming into the future. And I am pretty much uh, intrigued about what that's about because it's uh, calls back to something that we just talked about with a certain person. Uh, but also like, like I was telling, uh, like I was telling Tim or one of our co-hosts in the, the back channel, it's like, yeah, events kind of have this way of just going for hopping from event, from event, from event, like events don't just end. They just kind of, 
uh, hint to other events coming down the line. And that's kind of annoying, especially when with the, with the event fatigue. But this particular one is one I'm, I'm very much kind of intrigued with. And even RKL kind of, um, RKL, thank you, okay, I'm not, uh, but anyway, uh, kind of mentioned the same thing going on. So she even kind of started that ball rolling, but, you know, it was just kind of brushed off. It was like, oh, she's just trying to say, she'll say anything just to, you know, save herself. Gotcha. Um, but the... I, got a, I was about to say, when you're done, I have a couple of questions. I'm actually, couple of- yeah, I'm actually all done with saying this, but that pretty much goes into that, and we, it gets allusion, the allusion to what's at the end, but, uh, to what's coming in the future. Right. So... Uh, a couple of questions. Uh, the group photo that I that, that that you were remarking upon, the Young Avengers group photo, is that that also includes the West Coast Avengers too? It we, includes that- the new yes, it's the, the West Coast Avengers. And I think it's also U.S. Avengers. And U.S. Avengers. Oh, it's kind of like an amalgam of all that stuff, right. like minus a couple of characters here and there, right? Right, because Hulkling, yeah, because Hulkling and Wiccan was has been a part of. Of all of those, like they started all started off as the Young Avengers, which was remarked on, you know, with Kate and, and whatnot, and America was there and all that. But then also you can see a couple of the um, West Coast Avengers, the new West Coast Avengers. Uh, I got like Kate. Where does Songbird come into play? Um, I believe that is the the, the uh, U.S. Avengers part. Because okay. I thought about that too. I was like, wait, wait a minute. But then again, she was a part of U.S. Avengers. And they all and they worked together around that time. And I think Ewing wrote. Um, yeah, I know Ewing wrote that. And because that's why you also see. Um, so some X Men also show up on here. So you see Robert, Roberto da Costa, and that's why Hulkling calls him uh, boss because that's who they were working for, um, with U.S. Avengers. Mm, okay. Okay. Yeah, around that time, yeah. When when uh yeah when when Bobby bought AIM and they became the U.S. Avengers and whatnot. And that's why you. you see Squirrel Girl. I think yeah, Squirrel Girl was there, but right, so. right, 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 right. Okay, okay, okay. Oh yeah, no. So yeah, so it is. So you do see. Um, so you do have. Uh, what's about? I'm looking. I have to look up the fandom page. Yeah. So you do see uh, Hulkling, Wiccan, right. Squirrel Girl, uh, Sunspot, and Songbird. Okay, so mm-hmm. that's where she comes in. Okay. Yeah. So I thought about that for a second until I thought about that. I was like, oh right, she was a part of that whole thing, and then that was just kind of the transition into the, you know. The West Coast Avengers, which obviously has their link with, you know, Young Avengers. Right. Okay. So. All right. So just a couple of quick notes then for me, because thanks for answering that, because mm-hmm. I was kind of confused. I just didn't bother to to uh, to Google Songbird's <laughs> history at that particular time. Yeah. Um, I wanted to mention um, there's a, 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 a coy Civil War reference. Yes. Issue. That I thought was pretty good between Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor. You know, yes. because Cap and Iron Man make the reference. Iron I was going to mention. I was just about shrug. to mention that. I was like, "Yeah." There's a shrug and a laugh, and then Thor is just like, "Why do we have to bring this up again?" <laughs> you know, this this is just painful memories. We don't need to look at that anymore. You know what I mean? Right. I really like that. That was that was a pretty cool reference. Um, what else? Um, yeah, I had in my notes. Uh, Tony making Civil War jokes now, really? Right, 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 right. Uh, let's see. Yeah, we find out how uh, Empress Ar- uh, Arkel, the Queen, uh, escapes the destruction of the Skrull homeworld from Galact- by Galactus and the fate and, of Teddy's mom. Right, and oh yeah, Princess Anel, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and as we mentioned earlier, 
as Variety Cat mentioned earlier, we get a peek into a new story where Abigail Brand has quit Alpha Flight and formed her own group. And there's a tease as to who at least one of the members might be. Uh, yeah, maybe page. a couple possibly. Because, yeah, did so, and I, I was like, that's probably who that is, but I wasn't, and it makes sense the way they came in if, if that was Eaton. Um, right. But there was also a couple of silhouettes, you could see the silhouettes in the background and, on you know, one of them, I don't know if that was who I thought it was either. The one particular one was like She-Hulk or something. I doubt uh, it. That's hard but, to say, yeah. But it's hard to say, yeah, because like everybody else outside of uh, um, of uh, Manifold was kind of, you know, still in the shadow. So, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm uh, like I said earlier, um, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what that was. And normally I wouldn't because like, it's just like, okay, this event is going into another event at some point. And oh, here we go. But this is kind of intriguing, especially with what was... Um, was said by Archeel and, you know, Abigail Brand uh, during the course of it. So now, oh yeah, that was also mentioned of of, of the buff Bifrost uh, from Cap, to which there was some um, consent between, well, there was, I don't know, Age of thinks is one thing, I'm thinking Selene is something else, he might be right, but I, I don't know, it just kind of felt like that, that seems like that didn't that didn't play into the timing of when this takes place and it shouldn't have mattered. I mean, that shouldn't have been the case. So, or, so we'll, we'll find out whether, uh, and whether that and something else that we'll talk about in a later issue that we'll discuss, uh, is the case. Mm-hmm. So we're now going to move on to empire fallout fantastic four. Number one, which is the last, uh, well, which is the last of this week of the empire Technically, it's the last one because the, the only one we know that's coming up next is a, is a probably not has going to have anything to do with Empire itself, but with a specific character, and that's I think that's going to be like next week. So I can't remember when that uh, Immortal She-Hulk issue is coming out. Right. But right. Empire found out Fantastic Four number one. You want to take that one? Sure. So um, I said I, I said this about both Empire aftermath issues. I definitely understand why this is not an issue in the miniseries proper, Mm -hmm. as it sets up the new status quo for the entire Fantastic Four and the Avengers. Uh, First off, we have Thor, Sue, Storm, Richards, and Franklin set up the Kotadi in exile on a new planet. Which is weird. What's that? Which was kind of weird, but I get it. It was definitely merciful. Yeah. Talk Talk about, you know, talk about a merciful... Uh, resolution to their uh, their conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, we have the Torch and Spidey catching up on recent developments in their personal lives. That's <laughs> yeah. that's always a welcome sight to see. Yep. Uh, you know, we're reminded that these two characters have such a great history going back between each other. Um, one funny development in the issue was Reed asking of all people the latest elder of the universe that has uh, been retconned into existence. Um, Reed asked the profiteer who we just dealt with earlier in this uh, empire, fantastic four stuff to research the origin of the weapons, the Kotati used and the information that's revealed from this is going to lead to more stories. Um, we get Ben and Alicia Grimm literally doubling the size of their family in an instant. <laughs> And I actually want people to read this because it is actually pretty – it's a pretty heartwarming development. Yeah. Uh, if, you, if, um, if you're looking to 
catch up on Empire, I definitely would suggest reading it. I think it's going to be one of the more slept on um, events of you know in recent past. I think it's worth reading, um, and the FF portions of the book are definitely must reads in order to get the full picture of the story and you will see how uh, Ben and Alicia doubling their family size kind of comes about naturally Uh, meanwhile the unseen if you don't know who the unseen is you got to go back all the way to original sin man don't do it (laughs) what's funny about that what's funny about that is that what happens in uh, you know uh, as, as the result of original sin is kind of undone right. in this because what we what what uh, what happens is that while the unseen actually sees all, we get the startling return. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! I'm gonna ring the bell. You're gonna have to fast forward a few seconds or close your ears if you're watching live on YouTube and Twitch. Uh, because I'm about to spoil something that happened in this week's Empire Fallout Fantastic Four number one. So we have the return of Uatu the Watcher. Yes. Literally, literally coming out of the hole in the head, the empty eye socket of one Nick Fury, who is, of course, the Unseen. Yes, and, I, I was I was legit like when that when that happened I was legit like oh like surprised right. and happy about it because I was like okay, um, but I'll get to something else about the whole the whole trappings of it anyway. But go ahead. I mean, ultimately, that's the big reveal at the end of this, and uh, we end with uh, there shall be a reckoning and the <laughs> beginning of the end, and. Um, I kind of preferred this aftermath issue over the Avengers aftermath issue only because I just really enjoyed the familial touch that was in this issue mm-hmm. because there's actually a pretty cool, you know, other than, you know, Ben and Alicia literally doubling their, the, the size of their, their family in one fell swoop. Right. Uh, there's a great little panel right after that, which is all the the Avengers and the FF saying goodbye to each other and kind of touching, you know, kind of uh, being really familiar with each other. Yeah. And I keep I keep kind of laughing to myself, like this is why I, I can never get down with uh, DC stuff so much because I can't see the characters doing this, mm-hmm. or as many of the characters doing this between the various super teams, you know. Like right, it used to be that way, not so much anymore. Yeah. So I see this, and it just it's a, it brings like a, a little bit of warmth to the cold hearts that we all have to carry in the midst of COVID nineteen. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, um, I'm just going to add that um, one. Koi pulls a Scooby Doo reference uh, when they're carting them off. Oh yes. And, and and that was a nice touch. I'm like, I, uh, I'm assuming that was well, that was that was Slack. I don't know who wrote this book, but this issue. But um, I was like, all right, that was pretty good. I enjoyed that. Uh, but also, it brought up a well. Also, the um, uh, Reed's getting a little too used to um, saying Avengers Assemble, which happens in this issue also, which he did in Empire Number Six. I was like, all right. All right, all right, reader, we see you over here. But yeah, like Agent <laughs> Agent Seventy said, that whole um, like the Avengers and the Fantastic Four, you know, they have had their issues in the past, but uh, but more so than not, you know, they've all been kind of as, there's a 
familiar familiar quality to both of them because you know they've been on each other's teams, helping each other out. This you know this and the other are kind of goes back throughout the years, and you know, uh, obviously their whole thing with the Kree Scroll War, you know, on separate occasions and and together, you know, have uh, have kind of brought them together at, at times. So yeah, I definitely agree with Agent Seventy about that whole the uh, the aspect of this issue and you know the whole familiar quality of it. Um, yeah. I was about to say familial, really, because yeah. there's really like you know there's really like That's a camaraderie right. that borders upon being like a family, right. like like extended family between the two teams. I'd also like to mention that slot. Shout out to slot and to uh, Sean Isaacs who did the art on this issue. Mm. Uh, but Slot gives Thor some of the, the great old English Thor um, dialogue in this. And, and like his way of speaking kind of returns, you know, like the old way of Thor speaking kind of returns. Mm-hmm. Because, um, you know, one of my favorite lines is like, I tire of these proceedings. I'm like, I'm going to use that at some point. <laughs> you know, it's like, I tire of these proceedings. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So rounding this out, um, yeah, look, Agent Seven pretty much most set it up. But then we also get something uh, when the profiteer, which I kind of like the way that that kind of came off, because so there was uh, another part to that whole profiteer thing. So she was tasked with um, seeing who gave the Quartades a weapon, which is honestly something I didn't even think about during the course of this whole thing. But it does make sense. It was like, yeah, those weapons are kind of advanced, and they had to get them from somewhere. And, Right. You know, so, Too advanced for the plant people to come up with. And exactly. that's really a clue we didn't pick up on. Exactly. Which, and yes, and that was, um, right. And that was also something that goes back to the Kree Skull War because, you know, the whole, the Katadi against the Kree thing. But, uh, so it still plays into the whole thing. Uh, to, so when that comes to what that happens and the little scuffle that almost happens in that part that pretty much ends her, um, ends her being a part of this and both teams coming together and, and uh, Hulkling doing what he did, all of that whole thing, you know, leading to what, you know, you know with the, the whole Ben and Alicia thing and everything was pretty cool. Cause it's like all of, cause everybody was just like, yo, we're about to do this. And, and, there, and people were talking to, you know, people were just making comments and this and that and other like, Nope, this ain't gonna happen. We're all, you know, we're all here and this and that and other and kind of thing. that part was just cool in itself. Um, and again, the, the read saying Avengers Assemble, and there was a talk of when that reveal at the end happens, um, the first race gets brought up. So that is also something that's probably going to come up in the in, in the future. Maybe with the Abigail Brand stuff, maybe something on, on you know cosmically. I was about to say five will get you ten. This is how they tie the Eternals back into the story. That would probably, but. Mm, yeah, maybe, but somehow, be, yeah, somehow, because that would be kind of weird, though. Um, because they somehow. definitely wouldn't be I the first had, race, but I feel like you probably right on that. When I read that, I was like, oh, this is a backdoor way for them to get the Eternals back into relevance in the Marvel Universe proper, some kind of way. Because even though the, the Eternals aren't definitely are not the first race, because they came from you know. They came from something else. Matter of fact, wasn't it the Kree? I don't remember. Don't, I'm not even going to say that because that would be wrong. Um, regardless, yeah, that all came from someplace. And as uh, Agent 79 said in the back channel, and I said in my notes, like that whole thing with that and that whole reveal at the end with uh, Uatu, 
definitely is ominous. Mm-hmm. Um, That's welcome too, because I kind of missed the the bald guy. Yep, same. You know, and now he and uh, he and Nick OG Nick Fury shared. Well, actually, both Nick Furies, but regardless, they all share a, a, another quality. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The need for a patch. Exactly. Patch. Uh, so you know, we'll see what happens to OG Nick Fury as well. Yeah, like whether he's going to keep um, keep his powers or whatnot, or whether that's that that's kind of get dealt with some kind of where someplace. But you know, who knows? But to round it out, Spidey on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> Um and also like which also brought up a question. Say to that, hold on. I don't don't know him. He's like I don't know him. Because yeah, when they were talking to when they were talking to Sue, he's like I I don't know him. (laughs) But which also brought up a question because does actually Wolverine? Because you know he knew Spidey's identity, and I you know because he literally sniffed it out. Um, so I wonder if he still does. It's hard to say. Yeah. Say because of all this stuff that's happened in the Spidey universe about people forgetting who he was and exactly, whatnot. and that's what I brought mean, that up. That he's revealed himself to the FF, right? So, and exactly that kind of brings up like is that st- is that kind of stuff still in play, or is that just like we're just going to sweep that under the rug because it doesn't even matter anymore at this point, you know? But anyway, that is that, and that is in the Empire, and we are done with Empire, with the exception of the the She Hulk issue, which is probably not have nothing to do with it. So we're pretty much done with the uh, Empire, and I'm going to say to reiterate pretty much what uh, Agent Seven they said, and that Empire is actually a pretty good event. Y'all should check it out. Um, but also, it, if you haven't read, it, read... I think it's going to be slept on. Sorry to interrupt. No, 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 you're good. You're right. Hold on. I think it's going to be slept on because it was released as uh, COVID was starting to, you know, uh, as, as the COVID restrictions were starting to, to ease up and it should have been out months ago. So right. it's really screwed up the timetable. So I think a lot of people are going to sleep on it. Go ahead. And honestly, not even because of not even just because of that, but because of, so there's been a, there's line wide events, which, you know, touches across all of most of not all the parts of the Marvel universe. And then there's separate events within each corner. You know, the X-Men are about to have their event. The Avengers usually have their, this is pretty much an Avengers, uh, an event with tied in with the fantastic four. Um, because of, you know, the, the, the creep scroll. Well, that being said, uh, usually like the last couple of Avengers events, have been pretty good and also slept on because there's just been Avengers events. This right. one, and despite this, they're saying that, hey, this has far-reaching you know, implications for the Marvel Universe going forward, and it kind of does, but I thought it was going to be a little bit more than what it was, but we still have stuff coming down the pike that is probably going to bear it out a little bit more than we've already seen here. Right. Um, but that's what I was going to say, before we move on, I was going to say, before we move on, did you notice... In the wedding reception in, Aven- in uh, Aftermath Avengers, the little tease that we saw uh, from uh, what happened in the information that we got in Guardians this week, last week. Uh, so yeah, I was kind of wondering about it because I, I saw them show up, and uh, and I saw like next to each other talking and yeah, and, and I saw Hercules and, and Marvel. I mean, uh, Nova um, Marvel Boy there, uh, there, and everybody was there. They didn't really get any speech time and thing, but yeah, I did see, you know. But they were paired off. I was like, right. oh, look at that! Talk mm-hmm. about Al Ewing keeping things uh, in continuity there. Which of course, you know, he's pretty. He's been pretty good at that, and he's also writing that book, so it makes sense. Um, exactly. 
So yeah, I did see all of that. It's like okay, and actually I, that was the scene I was talking about when I was going to talk about something else later on the line. So let's get on to that. But definitely uh, check out Empire. It's actually a pretty good e- event, and some of those, uh, like I said, some of the past e- Avengers events, like I was saying, kind of get slept on because they don't really, you know, they're kind of self-contained. This one is less so, but it's still probably going to get slept on the way like the same. Even right. though it does have implications going forward. So next up, um, do we want to hit the X corner or we want to go to maybe Spidey? Which one? What's next? Um, we can do. I was about to say we can do. Uh, I was about <laughs> to say Spidey because there's more than a few X books. Okay, sure. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man number forty-eight. Uh, we are still in the Sins Rising portion of the program leading up to um the next issue which is issue 49 and aka 840 850 which is a big issue right so the next i was about to say it's funny that 49 ends up being the big anniversary 850 issue mm-hmm. so that is next issue so this is good you know next issue is promising to be a big blowout issue with lots of covers and lots of big stories mm-hmm or at least one big story and a bunch of little stories. Yeah. Yeah. That I'm sure somehow will tie into some something randomly. But um we pretty much start off with this one. So, you know, we uh we get some interlock monologue with, with Peter, but we also get a whole bunch of um and at first I didn't think nothing of it because Miles pops in to help out Spidey because he was because Peter's like, Yeah, you know, all this is everything that's going on with this whole Sin Eater thing is getting a lot in his followers and you know, it's getting to be much, so he called in help. So the first one we see is Miles, and then he and Miles start talking about, you know, something that is um happening, you know, with Sin Eater and Sin Eater going after uh Norman Osborne which kind of plays out or starts to play out in this issue, but we get to, but then we cut to um, him and spider Gwen talking, which I was legit happy to see her again. Cause I'm not reading her book right now. I need to catch up on it, but just, to, you know, just, I should have known when I saw miles that something like what was going to happen in this book could have potentially happened. Cause when, especially when he said he would call in help, Mm-hmm. You know, so I assume it's like, well, he got a whole spider verse of people, so I guess he could just call in a, a bunch of people. You know, didn't necessarily play out that way, but nevertheless, so we get them talking, and um, they both try to talk. You know, give him different points, as said later in the issue, a kind of a Christmas, uh, Ghost of Christmas, past, present, and future thing happens right. uh, during the course of this, which I didn't put together until that actually was said. Same, uh, but then. We get, and this is where uh, Agent Seventy is going to tell me, tell me that I was wrong about something I said about an issue uh, uh, or two back ago. Um, <laughs> and the new Madam Web, aka Julian Carpenter, aka former Spider Woman, uh, shows up uh, and tries to also talk to Peter about this whole situation that he's going through right now, and you know the choice that he's uh, soon to make, which he ends up making during the course of this. She's uh, essentially the ghost of Christmas feature for anyone unfamiliar with uh, Dickens's Christmas Carol. Exactly. Because of her new status as Madam Webb, which Madam Webb is a character who's pretty much uh, is like, she's kind of the fortune teller, the, the you know, the, the kind of the fortune teller in a sense. Like she knows things, but she doesn't, ah. she, see, she can see things coming and know things, but she, 
you know, there's this whole web of time fate thing that I think was Spider-Verse. Exactly. That's been more developed over the course of the Spider-Verse and Spider-Geddon storyline. Right. So, um, uh, right. Just to, just to, uh, j- just to point out the, the thing that I, that the Roddy Cat uh, mentioned earlier, there was a tease, I believe, at the end of the last issue or the or two issues ago. It might have been two. Yeah, I can't remember at this point. Right. That uh, that teased the spider characters, the other 616 spiders, I refer to them as, mm-hmm. uh, who are appearing in this storyline. And one lady in a red, one red-haired lady in a red set of sunglasses or eyeglasses and a red outfit and a red trench coat was uh, feature prom- featured prominently in the image. And I, you know, Roddy Cat thought it was Mary Jane. I said, no, my guess is that it's probably Madam Web or the new Madam Web. Mm-hmm. And my guess turned out to be correct. And now we have this group of 616 spiders essentially uh, trying to stop Spidey from what he wants to do. Which, and, yeah, what he uh, know he would do against his, against his own, you know, predilections. Right, I was gonna say it's it's kind of like, uh, uh, you know, my my gut says Spidey's still right, as much as as much as I think the the uh, the, the pragmatic approach that the other spiders want to take is probably you know is probably the 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 course of action I think most people would take. I still think Spidey's right because we still don't have the best idea of what Sin Eater is actually doing. Uh, True, but we also know what Norman Osborn and would and probably will continue to do, and and mm-hmm. I get their point in this, which right, and that's the other side of the argument, right? Which I don't know which way it's going to go because the jury's still out on whether that's going to whatever it's going to happen with Sin Eater and Norman Osborn is actually going to happen because it hasn't happened yet. Um, if it's actually going to happen, but I would love to see the what if on you know the reverse of what happens. Like sure, if it, sure, if sure. if Spidey does end up saving him and uh, against Sin Eater, like what would have happened if he didn't? Right. I would just add before we move on to the next book that if you watched, if anyone has watched the old Billy Crystal movie City Slickers, I don't know why it came into my head. Maybe it's because we really haven't seen Norman Osborn that often, other than in that Ravencroft um, miniseries that's set. Norman up uh, right. as the head of the Ravencroft Institute, but all I could hear in my head was Billy Crystal calling after that little calf, Norman, Norman, in um, in City Slickers, the little calf, you know that uh, he encounters during the course of that movie, Wasn't and the brings one he to New birthed? York. What's that? Was that the one he birthed? Right. Yeah, the one yeah. that he birthed, the one that he saved with the lasso uh, in the river. So, you know, the entire movie, he's just shouting out, Norman, Norman. Right. And that's all I can hear when I'm reading this book. And it's just pretty funny. Those of a certain vintage will probably get that reference. If you're not, go back and watch the movies. Jeez, people. Um, right. But yeah, so to round this out, um, the, 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 there was one thing that kind of kind of still worries me on the side note. Like when Miles came in, having full knowledge of his other universe and them talking about that still is kind of weird to me depending on who writes it because because sometimes like yes that's been addressed and we're kind of still addressing it in his book uh with that stuff with ultimatum and whatnot but the fact that whether he like this is a clear moment of that he definitely knows you know he was from another universe which i'm assuming that has something to do with what's going on in his book 
also because uh, even that wasn't even clear up until relatively recently um but whether he knows you know has full knowledge of what happened in his universe or not has be, kind of been a thing of contention with me in, in the past like year or so since since sick war really because you know but i guess now we've got to the point where it's like yeah he pretty much knows and there you go and wash your hands of it let it be that i guess mm-hmm so that being said, we're going to move on to. I don't. I think that's pretty much it. Um, I think I said um, the X universe. I think. Yeah, I think I said something about. Uh, I made a spider, spider, my Spider Man and Amazing Friends reference, but I can't even remember why. But probably right. unless you at the wanna, end. unless you want to tie in um, uh, Miss Marvel. I did not read Miss Marvel yet. Oh, okay. So I'll get to that in rapid fire. So we'll yeah. go to whichever X book you want to read. So let us go to, you know what? We got to go to Marauders. All right. Marauders number 12, folks. So this is kind of another aftermath in a sense. Um, last issue, we, we um, Kate Pride has been resurrected. And so now she is back amongst the living. And this is the party and uh, that they had for her, including um, Storm doing her, her best Cyrus from the Warriors, uh, um, you know, monologuing right hold that thought just for a second um hold that thought i noticed as i was flipping through our review copy of this book that we are now on issue number 12 obviously i saw that in my notes as well so this is the last issue of what would be the second six issue trade paperback and it makes all the sense in the world sure that this would be the final issue of this particular arc because of all the developments and like roddy cat said we get, um, you know, we get we get an aftermath type of issue, and this is a perfect jumping on point to figure out where you know where this story goes next. Go well, ahead. We know where it's going to go next because there was some unfinished business because of Kate's death that, uh, that we we can assume that they're going to get into after probably after X of Swords because then we know uh, Ten of Swords because that's coming next definitely. Um, right. But yeah, so there's a whole party with you know with, with everybody there, and because every time a mutant uh, gets resurrected, uh, although I guess of prominence, we don't know, we're not sure how that works. But you know, there's this whole stage production that happens, and you know everybody's cheering, and you know mutant, mutants, all that kind of good mess. So that happens for uh, for for Kate, but then she's like uh, at the um, she talks to Emma, and they go off and do a thing, and. Well, they go off horseback riding, which apparently Krakor has horses now, and uh, they, they actually talked about it, right? Um, and uh, Emma pretty much, um, you know, fills Kate in on what happened to her with with her, and you know, find out from what she found out from Lock uh, Lockheed, and Kate gets this idea, and the, you know, Emma has an idea of how she wants to proceed with it, but Kate apparently. Uh, side flashes her with something that we don't get to see about how she wants to play it. Uh, and Emma gleefully goes along with it, which means it's going to be something kind of nasty, but um, probably just a search for Shaw at this point. Uh, so we, to case kind of not, not really messing around. Cause she was like, I want to get down to business. And, and Emma's like, no, cool. Now we got time for that. We're going to play it out. So anyway, Kate kind of goes off with uh, uh, with magic, gets some of the food, and gets another set of nautical tests. As uh, Agent Seventy, I believe, alluded to an issue to um, or an issue to whether she was going to actually get. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you say the spoiler, I mean to see the cover, which kind of spoils said tats. 
Absolutely. Um, you know, then you already you already know what it what's what it says on it. Which actually alludes back to the first issue of Marauders this, of this volume where she had the set of knuckle tats. And basically my notes kind of rounds off in the uh, before I say the last thing about this issue that I need to say is that uh, it's like Kate really did come back as a whole new her, some would say, the woman on the first issue's cover. Because, you know, during the course of you know, this issue, um, when she's getting her knuckle tats, she's at this uh, tattoo parlor of somebody I don't know whether we're supposed to meant to know or not. But after she gets her tats, she kisses this lady um, just, you know, on, on the lips. And this, uh, there's an article about this, which we don't have to talk about now since I'm bringing it up, but talking about um, some fan theory that folks had that um, that Kate was uh, bisexual because of this and because of her dealings with, uh, because of her relationship with Rachel back in um, Excalibur and obviously she's been with Colossus and other people, other, mm-hmm. other men. So this, so that whole scene was pretty much alluding to the fact that yeah, Kate, uh, Kate's probably bisexual, which yay. Um, yeah, I mean it's funny, you know, it's not uh, it's not a uh, uh, an illogical development because if you think much. about it, we were introduced to Kate at a very young age, mm-hmm. and she's come a long way, and people learn about themselves. In uh, you know, in, over the course of all those years, and I'm glad you said that because that also alludes to something that gets brought up at the beginning of this with her and Storm. Because um, because right. Storm was like, "How do I know you, Kate?" And she then they mentioned that whole thing with because uh, you met me at a time where I almost uh, ended our friendship because of because you're because of um, because Erica. of Storm Hescar. Yeah, because this has been yeah. So back in the day when Storm got that Mohawk haircut that people know and love. Kate had a way big issues for it, which seemed really out of the black. Like, okay, Kate's a kid. I mean, Kate was kid and she was a kid then. And she had such a, she had a tantrum about the hair that she was going to, she was going to throw away their friendship for it. And back in the day, even back in the day, that seemed like real stupid and weird. Even if she is a kid and it still is now, but the fact that they brought it up uh, right now, you know, in that context, you know, as they just ever said, she, people have grown, you know, uh, was a thing. I, I kind of chuckled at that part. I was like, wow, I didn't think they were going to bring that up, but they did. So that pretty much how it was, how Marauders plays out. And we're going to get into some plotting on Shaw, but there, Oh, there was the part of the, at, at the party where Sebastian Shaw does show up and give Kate a bottle of, uh, bottle of wine or something. And Kate, you know, to her credit, kind of you know um yeah you know knowing that she's you know knowing that this fool killed her knowing that she's plotting revenge on just kind of like you know played it off and gave him a big hug which he didn't even expect and you know and basically um and actually i feel like i missed a game of thrones reference on something that we talked about um already or maybe i'm thinking about it but regardless um she kind of whispers in his ear something you know that we know is the something whether he took it as to being something um you know more than what it was right but right. it was actually a bottle of whiskey um, whiskey that yeah they, okay. that tempo had aged like 50 years right but the minor that's just the minor thing sure. so yeah i definitely get you know i definitely get the uh you know in terms of the the character development here and the machinations that they've put into play with the resurrection of 
a Hellfire Club type structure for this Hellfire Club, this Hellfire uh, company. Mm-hmm. You know, Hellfire Shipping. I think I, I forget. I forget the full name of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, have, have them putting that back into place and having uh, Kitty or Kate. Um, you know, be uh, a prominent member of it is definitely uh, taking the character down, you know, a path that, you know, just seems like maybe not natural, but definitely seems like a nat- uh, like a like a logical progression for the character because she's still got a lot of growing to do. Mm-hmm. So it's, a, you know, it's very, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely an interesting direction for the character. Definitely. So with that, we will move on to um, do we want to do one more Xbox and then Rapid Fire? Or we just want to go ahead and clean the clean the slate on them. No, we can do Rapid Fire because I've got a lot of books to go through, so I'll go okay, quickly. Okay, cool. So spin it up. Here we go. Um, I'll go first since you said you have a lot of books. And I will go. We'll go ahead and finish out the X corner with this. So X Factor number three. Um, so the X Factor is still in 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 Mojo first. They pretty much found out uh, the information they was looking for, which was uh, not only did they find out who was killed, but what happened to that person. Um, and they go to take care of that. Um, who we found out it's someone that is near and dear to. Prodigy from back in the new New Mutants days, um, and the funny part is it, it kind of after that it cuts to Doc and, and Aurora talking, and he compares himself to a Pokemon, um, which is kind of funny. And there's a new look for Spiral, and then there's a mutant named Jenny, which I don't know if you know that mutant, but she alludes to something that happened to her. She apparently says that um, um, she's been she's been attempted kidnapped by already some people from Krakow and other things that happened to her. So I'm like, I, I suppose we were meant to know who this person was, but I don't, I could, I don't place them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but last but not least, Shatterstar comes back who, I, as I say in my notes, seems to be the new long shot in this, in this uh, case. And that whole thing was kind of ended up being kind of sad uh, at the end which um, I won't go into, but basically the Mojoverse has gotten a whole lot worse, kind of, as I said, as like a reverse core. Um, but at the very end of the issue, the the issue ends, and then we cut to, um, I guess, an in-credit scene, more to kind of, sort of, and we see Storm, Emma Frost, and a, a, a few other ladies, uh, ex-Krakoans, uh, sitting at the bar in Krakoa, along with who looks to be Gwenpool, that's what I thought too. Because at first I was like, "Who is this person?" But then when they started, when they talked, I'm like, "Okay, talking to Pink, so that's Gwenpool, and she's not a mutant. She has had ties with Quentin Quire, so that's probably why she might be there." But something happens that uh, so a rainbow falls across them, and they blink out, and they come back almost like as if they were going to some sort of secret wars. But they come back with guns. Uh, and Gwenpool's like, who didn't get taken away was was, was talking to the, to the blob, and it comes like, don't worry, it's a tie-in, and that's kind of how you know it was her, also. Um, right, right. Speaking, uh, 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 you know, speaking uh, in the meta sense. Exactly. But so again, and this is where the contention where where uh, where Agent Seventy and I come in from the Empire books, because, like I said, the rainbow thing happens, and they come back with guns, and 
I took that as to being, well, that's the Bryfrost just took them for something and then brought them back at near or after the same point. Um, and Agent 70 believes that now nah, the two might not be related, which they might not be. But I'm, I'm thinking they might be related to the fact that what um, is it's either they're related and something's going on later that does happen to do with that. Or maybe that's something totally different that is just coincidental. But I feel like it has something to do with either something going on with the Thor that we haven't seen yet or something that happened with Empire, which I very much doubt that's the case. Right. Um, so I'm thinking it might be something go- going on in Thor, either Thor's book or some sort of other tie-in. It's a tie-in to something that that stuff was definitely exp- established. Anyway, uh, we'll see, or I'm sure there'll be some article that'll say something about that. Uh, the last of the X books is X Force number twelve, and uh, Beast. I'm not, I'm not crazy about how Beast is being portrayed in the last few years. Like he's done some things, he's done some really stupid things on in the course of trying to be right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and then this issue is not one of them where, so um, as we established, uh, Mikhail, uh, Peter and Ilana's big brother uh, is back. Uh, He's got the sword. And this is probably something that's going to be going into uh, X and 10 of swords, most likely, but he has the sword of um, uh, Cerebro. Uh, He's taking it to this group as his human group who are basically doing modifying on their bodies to, to try to, you know, uh, do who he, he's teamed up with, um, who are right, the Zeno group. Exactly. Zeno group who are pretty oh, much Zeno going Lab, against, yeah. Yeah. I think they, they're just called Zeno, but who have, or doing minor modifications, you know, to, they, they're basically trying to change the, they're basically saying that, Hey, humans can change also. And this is, the, there's another evolutionary step that really, you know, that's not mutants. You know, and obviously they are against the Krakoans. So to have this mutant that is also against the Krakoans that working with them is going to be a thing. Um, and like I said, that that's one side of that. Uh, but then on the other side of that, on the Krakoan side, Beast is pretty much rounding up Russians who may or may not have had anything to do with Mikhail's uh, in, incursion of the island and getting the sword. And that would come back to the most obvious choice of one Pyotr um, uh, Rasputin, who is the brother of Mikhail, and also known as Colossus, who was just enjoying his day with his lady friend, Kayla, who I still don't know who it is. Um, To get uh, the new character. Probably. Um, And they basically do, and here's where the Game of Thrones reference comes in, basically Beast tries to uh, walk of shame uh, Colossus, when they go back through the gate and everybody around him who was there, who, which was uh, Domino and, uh, and Wolverine was not having it because Wolverine socked him one deservedly <laughs> and just shoot everybody away. And I was like, cause I was looking at that whole scene. I'm like, there are some people who would not be okay with this. I don't even know why they were there in that whole right. scene, but nobody said anything. Just was like, true, get away. And, and Domino was like, I'm so sorry. And Peter's like, Hey, yeah, I didn't do anything wrong. So I'm just so, you know, it's it's going to be fine. It's very internment camp. Yes, and that's what makes it very uncomfortable. That's exactly. the uh, that's that's their way of dealing with possible double agents. I mean, there is a double agent. Don't get me wrong. Yes, but this is not the right way to do it. 
And, you know, that's what that's the uh, the allegory that Ben Percy, the writer on X-Force, is trying to uh, get across to us, the reader. Yes. But like I said, I'm, yeah, the way the, the, the way they Beast has been portrayed, you know, in the last you know few years, especially coming from, you know, when he brought the, the, the original X, uh, X team into the future. When, from when they were kids, like yeah, that's just a series of stupid moves that Beast has been making, um, <laughs> as smart as he is purported to be. But we'll see how that that. Um, but he's again, he's saying he's doing it for the side of right. But and then at the end of it, we see a scene with um, uh, Wolverine and Jean Grey, who had left X Force, but you know, um, but Wolverine wants her to get to the bottom of what's going on because we also see I uh, forgot about uh, um, Omega Red. They also was uh, was taken in the in the uh, beginning of this issue. Also Russian, right. actual double agent, right? Right. <laughs> so, so um, yeah. So we'll see how that goes off next uh, issue. What? Which is actually wait. Does no, we won't. Yes, we will because it's still X of Sword related. So that's all gonna play out. Uh, and that's it for the X Corner. Let's see the Rise of Ultraman number one, real quick. So this is a five, the uh, part one of a five-part miniseries. Of course, we know Marvel has the um, um, Ultraman license now, and this is basically, uh, as I say in my notes, the comic may be in line with the recent manga, anime, and uh, the the classic series Ultraman Seven. So there's been many, many, many versions of Ultraman, and this is just one of the versions that they kind of play around with. Um, uh, there's there's some things that are not being said, like there are some words that are being scratched out uh, pertaining to the enemy. Looks like so. That's oh, is that kinda, what that was? I mean, yeah. I tried to read this. I got halfway through. Got too tired last night and I didn't have a chance today to read it, but mm-hmm. uh, I did notice that and I, and, and I wanted to. If you didn't read it, you know, if you had, you know, since you did read it, I, I have the opportunity to ask. Yeah, it sounds like what, that was on purpose for some reason we don't know. They're yeah. crossing out the name of the enemy. Okay, like, I don't know because like uh, we have our review copy, but I'm but um, I don't know if if that is something you know in physical print books or, you know, just, in the, the, you know, if that's just something they did for review purposes or what it seems is like they did it on purposely because of something in the book, because of, you right. know, whatever they're doing in the book. Um, but I also say, like I said, it's a retelling of how Shin Hayata became Ultraman. And then there's a, a backup story from the past of the director, um, um, in Chinotani, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Could be looking like the beginnings of the USP, which is the the secret group that is um, working against Kaiju at the time of this. Which the parallel in the Ultraman universe is SSSP, from what I looked up, of especially around the time of Shin Hinata in um, uh, the actual Ultraman series that this is kind of cribbing from, or it might be the new series again because there is a, um, a a new manga that was out from 2011, and there's also the Netflix series, I believe, that is also kind of based around that, and it's kind of a retelling of that, so it may have something to do with that more than the actual shows of the back. I, I, I have enjoyed me some Ultraman uh, stuff in the past. I don't know full well a whole a lot about them, uh, but, you know, it's good fun. Hey, there's gonna be kaiju big battles and, and, a, big, and, a, and a dude growing tall and, you know, uh, and alien growing tall and fighting kaiju, so that's always fun. Uh, it's Jet Jaguar. 
Say what? <laughs> I said it's Jet Jaguar. <laughs> well, sure, yeah, there is that. Um, but yeah, this that the backup story could be the beginning of the USP, which is uh, uh, the secret organization that's fighting against. And there's also some other stuff that gets come, come out about that because apparently the USP is keeping secrets from their own people, and the the, the friend of the main character uh, is kind of wondering what's going on there, even though she is a part of the group. Um, so next up, G.I. Joe number eight. And actually, I need to type this down real quick. Sorry, folks. Uh, G.I. Joe number eight uh, is a thing. And apparently there's an undercover mission with a Joe that I've never heard of before called the Bomb Strike. Probably a new Wait, one more than likely. Wait, I have a sound effect for this. Ooh, indeed. Uh, let's see. And an undercover Joe weighing loyalty over love because she's undercover, so she, she might be, may or may not be getting too deep. But she seems to have her priorities on her. She also, um, her handler is Chuckles, who has also done a fair number of um, undercover missions. And they allude to the fact of, I want to say it alludes to that miniseries he had from a few years ago um, where he was undercover with Cobra. I'm not entirely sure because I didn't read it, but it does allude to something that's like, yeah, I was undercover so deep and, you know, I fell in love and this and that and the other. So, but I kept the mission first, you know, chuckles, you know, real standout guy, but also, um, but so that gets alluded to. And then the, the whole, the, the rest of the, uh, issue plays out that, uh, of what this bomb strike, uh, lady does when in her undercover mission, but she does her mission. Uh, she doesn't, she completes her mission, but she doesn't quite do it the way you would have you would have thought. But it, but the person she extracted, you know, probably will have a problem with that at some point. But she kind of helped him out. And there's also mention of the bats, which is, um, you know, which we don't see in this issue. But the whole mission was to, to under to get some plans for the new some new bats uh, that they're employing that uh, Cobra's employing. So. Real quick, if you did not know, in this uh, time frame, Cobra has taken over the U.S. Uh, as, a, as a public facing front. G.I. Joe is pretty much the resistance at this point because they've been uh, disavowed and uh, disbanded. Duke got killed in the first issue. Um, and like I said, uh, G.I. Joe is an underground movement at, at this point uh, led by Scarlet. So that's why a lot of the stuff is going on. Uh, this has kind of been something that's been playing out for the last few volumes in various ways like they were kind of getting to the point where cobras was already for you know forward facing but um and so was a part of gi joe but there was a part of gi joe that was underground uh but now on kind of like red dawn but in a more corporate way corporate's taking over the u.s so there you go um and Dr. Mindbender is mentioned who, who he famously thought was the person who made the bats, but apparently this other Dr. Venom person who got extracted is the one who did it. Um, it's a decent read. You check it out. Um, whether it has implications of anything going forward, we'll find out. Um, and uh, that looks like that is it for me. All right. So um, it's my turn for rapid fire. First up for me is Dark Knights. Death Metal, Trinity Crisis. God, it's titled number one. Excellent. So they this have some long titles for those of, things. What's that? So they, they those Dark Knights titles have been getting longer and longer. Definitely. So 
This is one of the latest one-shots coming out of the Dark Knight's Death Metal limited series. Excellent! And it's actually essential reading, believe it or not. This is fully, fully essential reading for this uh, for this uh, limited series and the storyline because it it literally falls right. It literally follows right from the pages of the most recent Death Knight, uh, uh, the most recent Dark Knight's Death Metal issue. And Excellent! I'll stop doing that now, ladies and gentlemen. But ultimately, what this book revolves around is a plan that's hatched by the the, the big three, the Trinity in the Trinity in uh, the DCU. That is. Uh, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. And Wonder Woman has taken uh, the Battle Command lead here. She is she is essentially the Captain... She's in the Captain America role here. Uh, she's giving everyone their missions. She's giving everyone their assignments and um, kind of formulating their, their strategy. Um, you got to love Jaro. Jaro, who I know PCN underscore Dirt is not a fan of because Jaro is... Uh, a little Starro who calls Batman dad, and I just think it's hysterically funny. Um, but ultimately, the, there's a plan hatched to try to um, stop all sorts of bad things from happening, and part of it is to um, get to these three worlds where the crises, the past major crises in the DC universe are still going on, and it's the mission of Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, and another crew to infiltrate, um, uh, to infiltrate, uh, you know, the, uh, the headquarters of the Batman, uh, uh, who laughs to try to get to these three worlds. And, you know, it's all sorts of cre all sorts of crazy, but at the end of the day, these three worlds that are continually reenacting the, the crises are not exactly what they seem. And at the end of the issue, we get the return of none other than the person behind Final Crisis. And Roddy Cat is familiar with this because we've gone through some of the crisis stuff during uh, pandemic, during quarantine. So um, the one real thing I have to say about this is this is why I can't really get into DC continuity, even knowing about all the various crises now. I still haven't read all of them. Uh, but we did read the main crisis um, and, and and Pariah. Oh, God, Pariah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I, I'm familiar with this, but there's still so much of this I'm not familiar with. And it's just it's super over the top. But I know there's people out there that love this over the top stuff. Yeah. OK. Comment and question. Comment. Um, so Wonder Woman pretty much has been Captain America for um, kind of Captain America status or for a minute, especially in just recent issues of Justice League. And I'm pretty sure some people don't like that, but screw those people. Um, but because, yeah, because like, like I think Green Lantern is like supposed to be the is, is like the, the leader at, at this point. But in past issues, like I said, um, uh, Wonder Woman has been taking field lead, kind of, sort of, whether they listen to her or not, you know, based off that last arc. But that's been the case. And the question is, wait, are we, do you, when you mention Final Crisis, do you mean actual Final Crisis or like the Final Crisis, the storyline, or you mean Crisis in general? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Infinite Crisis. I okay. apologize. Because I was about to say, because we did not go through Final Crisis yet, but... <laughs> <laughs> All the crises. Oh, yeah, God. it's ridiculous. 
there is a Final Crisis tie-in here that Superman has to deal with. The original Crisis is what Batman has to deal with, and Infinite Crisis is what Wonder Woman has to deal with. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. it's so now. Uh, now I'm, okay, now now I'm getting. I'm like, wait, exactly. Now my head is spinning, and I read this, and I'm just like, whatever. This is why I don't really get into it. Yeah. You know, it's why I miss pre-crisis continuity with my beloved New Teen Titans. So what are you gonna do? Yeah. Anyway, DC is losing. Shout out to Eclectic. Next. Exactly. Exactly. I can't say it enough. Shout out to Eclectic, as 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 always, as Roddy Cat said. DC stays losing. Uh, next up for me is Miss Marvel number fourteen. I will not say too much about this because I don't want to spoil Roddy Cat on this. I know he's going to read it. So I but, will say I will say that I am caught up as much as I've read uh, Outlaw number one and Champions number one, and I think um, well I did read that that Miles issue the the first Miles issue not the recent one. I was about to say, did Champions number one come out already? No, but we had the yeah. the review copy. Oh, you read it already? Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, we've had it for oh. months. Remember, because of a review copy, but I don't think it's officially come out yet. Right, right. No, it definitely has not officially come out yet. Yeah, we do have a review copy that I have neglected to read because I'm trying to stay, you know, in the well, moment. Well, see, that's uh, just it, though, which is weird to consider. Well, it's kind of weird considering, um, like this whole outlaw thing is kind of out of order because, like, yeah, everything is kind of coming off of that big one shot, so everything else is kind of on the side of it. But you can kind of say that champions issue kind of plays into. Right, I believe I, you know, I, I'm pretty, I, I, I'm, I'm a hundred percent certain that that uh, that's what's going to happen when I read it. Uh, essentially, Kamala finds herself on a kind of dream quest while she's recovering from her injuries from Outlaw Number One, and she does eventually come out of it, and she resolves to take action that's going to lead to the next iteration of the Champions, which Roddy Cat has already read. Mm-hmm. So. You know, that's minor spoilers for what happens in this issue. Well, uh, not really. Well, let's put it this way. That part, not really, because what happens in Champions doesn't really further that point. It kind of goes on with what happens between X time and X time. Uh, between basically what happens, what happens like right after, well, not right after, but after Outlawed uh, and what Kamala did, you know, uh, actually, yeah, technically, what what you know, they right, we still have another issue, right? That they do tease that something big is going to happen in Miss Marvel number fifteen as well. So, right, you know, like 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 Roddy Cat said, things are out of order. So that's why I, I, I'm kind of holding off on reading our preview copies, our review copies. I would um, say check it out, and and well, you, you can kind of be the judge of whether it'll be out soon enough. That's yeah. sort of my sort of the way I look at it. Sure. Uh, Next up is Web of Venom Wraith number one. So anyone that remembers Annihilation, I think is Annihilation Conquest. Um, this character played a, a bit role in that. It was introduced in that. But uh, and again, this character is again playing kind of a bit role in this as well. You know, Wraith has a, had a part to play in the start of the King in Black storyline. And he may yet have more of a part to play, although that's not really teased in this issue. It does seem like, you know, it's a one and done for this character, but we'll see how this plays out for anyone that is interested in reading this King and Black storyline. Hmm. And, and apparently they said that there was this character also showed up in Guardians of the Galaxy, which I don't remember. 
Unless it was around that time of uh, Annihilation Conquest. It's that early. Okay. It's that early. It's really early. You know, it's several volumes back of Guardians. Okay. And well, I think it's right after Annihilation. No, it's during the Annihilation Conquest because... Oh, no, right after because I think Conquest is where they relaunch Guardians. So right. I think Wraith appears a couple of times uh, here and there post that, but really doesn't play much of a role at all. Uh, and finally... I have Nightwing number 74. Uh, for anyone not keeping up with this, Nightwing has basically fallen under the thrall of uh, the Joker and um, his minions. And uh, you have to go back to him becoming Rick Grayson because he doesn't remember himself or he, he has a, 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 a form of amnesia due to a gunshot, a headshot from KG Beast that happened way back in a Batman issue two years ago. Uh, but essentially, Nightwing, and this is a big spoiler alert, so I'm going to uh, ring the bell here, but also leads into a big anniversary type issue, next issue, because that will lead, this all leads into Nightwing number 75. But I'll ring the bell here. And don't listen if you don't want to be spoiled, but Nightwing breaks free of the Joker's control with the help of the Bat family and regains his memories long after uh, the gunshot from KG Beast. And apparently the Court of Owls manipulated his healing process that came after. So, um, and I didn't know any of that stuff until I read this issue. You know, I mean, the Court of Owls stuff. Right. So it seems that like this took longer than we expected it to. And it doesn't seem like it's been two years. It hasn't been a complete two years, but it definitely happened in 18. Right. And considering that we're in September of 20, that, uh, you know, it, it, it does seem to be on the longer side in terms of the longer, um, you know, it's definitely the long game when it comes to uh, what has happened to Nightwing and returning him to uh, closer to the status quo that we understand. So that's where we are with Nightwing number 74. And that is it for me. Clicks of the week. Here we go. Um, I'm, you know what? We already got one from, um, our, one of our co-hosts, Tim, and his was Empire Aftermath Avengers number one. Mine, I'm just going to go ahead and say is Empire Fallout Fantastic Four number one. Right. I was going to say PCN underscore dirt did not have one this week. He regrets not being able to, but you know, things happen. Right. Um, I was going to piggyback on Roddy Cat and go with Empire aftermath fantastic four number one for the reasons i gave earlier which is while i appreciate avengers aftermath because it does seem like it's giving a big tease for a big story i definitely like the family aspect and the character aspect that was behind all of the little events that happened the little the little developments that happened really not so much events, but developments that happen between the characters in the course of Avengers. I mean, um, Fantastic Four Aftermath. Yeah. So um, that will be my click of the week as well. Yeah. If it wasn't for if it wasn't for that issue, it probably would have gone to Marauders or something, more than likely. Um, so with that, folks, we are going to go into the news section, but first, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Blue Apron's meal delivery service. Blue Apron, fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store. Who wants to go there, you know? And make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron, always shipped free right to your home. 
And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. So place your first order with $30 off. And to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through cspn.us. Do it today. Now we get into the news. And we start off as we do every week uh, with the cinematic news, folks. It's a little known history. We used to start off the show off with the news before, before we went into um, um, uh, the talking about the comic books. But, you know, I was outvoted. Actually, that, that's not true at all. We just had to just change plans. And now people use it as a way to escape the show. Anyway. Um, First off, we start off with the cinematic news, as we tend to do, with Journey Smollett uh, had to lose her Black Canary muscles for Lovecraft Country. So, you know, Journey Smollett, we know her, we love her. Uh, she played Black Canary in that, you might as well say it was a Harley Quinn sequel uh, movie, because it kind of was. I just actually saw the uh, the Birds of Prey movie recently. Uh, it's It's not bad. It's definitely Harley focused, for certain. Which is right. kind it of a is shame. On HBO, so I can watch it. I just haven't given, you know, it just hasn't come to mind when it comes to, you know, when when I'm looking for something to watch. Yeah, I, it got brought up recently in some kind of way. And I was like, I went ahead and I'm, like, I'm just going to go ahead and watch it because why not? Uh, so I did that. But yeah, it's it's fun. It's like I said, definitely hardly focused. I would love to see a movie with just the Birds of Prey proper. Um whether Harley's in it or not, eh, who knows at this point, but I mean, well, not even that, but you know, if that happens, then it kind of sets up a thing at the end, let's just say. Um, but yeah, so basically, yeah, she had to, uh, she's doing, uh, Journey Smaller is doing Lovecraft Country, which is also another good show all on HBO. Um, at this point, uh, has nothing to do with comic books, but nevertheless, it's, it's a pretty good show. You should check it out. Um, but yeah, she basically had to get a little, little more leaner body, a little more sprint, leaner sprinter's body, as opposed to being kind of gunned up as she was uh, in the Birds of Prey, which I feel like they they didn't use uh, the canary stuff uh, uh, enough. I'll say, but maybe there's room for that to, to be expanded on later. Next up. Next up, Arrowverse No More. Uh, while the CW's Arrowverse has generally drawn its name from the flagship series and the trailblazing series Arrow, there was some question as to just uh, as to just what the superhero universe might call itself following uh, Arrow's death. Spoiler alert! During the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover, now we may just have an answer. During a trailer for the various Arrowverse series, a card appeared on screen indicating the name of the CW superhero universe is now, in fact, changed to the CW-verse. Stupid. Ah, Thank you. That is the right and correct response for that. I'm still going to call it Arrowverse because screw that mess. Yeah. And they gave some stupid reason, but who cares? (laughs) Um, Candace Patton, Ray Fisher react to John Boyega's Star Wars racism uh, criticism. So we talked about that on last week's uh, show. If you didn't watch it, you can go back and check that out. 
Um, but um, I'm, it's big news that John Boyega came out with some uh, criticisms for Disney and Star Wars uh, and the way it's uh, 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 characters of color are portrayed. There we go. And their inability to write them. So uh, fellow actors uh, Candace Patton, known for her work on the CW series The Flash, expressed agreement with Boyega's comments, as well as her gratitude for the Star Wars actor opening the door to the conversation. She wrote, similar experience, similar feelings, grateful for, for this. And of course, Ray Fisher, who is known for his role as Cyclo- uh, Cyborg, excuse me, not Cyclops, uh, in <laughs> Justice League, also spoke out on the issue. In fact, he's been kind of uh, saying a few different things uh, uh, lately and kind of before this, really. But anyway, when a fan asked for a live discussion between Fisher and Boyega about their experiences in the entertainment industry, Fisher responded by explaining that accountability is greater than entertainment and that Hollywood would never be the same after this conversation. Um, and matter of fact, I am going to go ahead and take the next I'm going to take the next two because they're related to this, if you don't mind. Um, uh, Ray Fisher fires back at Warner Brothers uh, because so Ray Fisher came out um, and they said with more alleg- uh, allegations about, um, you know, uh, let's just, as it says here, gross and abusive conduct on the set of Justice League. Um, there's also another article out there about uh, something about Jeff Johns gloating about the Doom Patrol's cyborg or something like that, but I neglected to put that into in the lineup as this was kind of a bigger issue than that, or at least a long time long side of anyway. Uh, on Friday, see Ray Fisher has responded to a statement from Warner Brothers over his complaints about gross abusive conduct on Justice League. Fisher appeared as a cyborg as a movie, as you know. On Friday, the studio issued a statement claiming that Fisher was not responding to an investigator looking into his allegations that film director Josh Whedon has was abusive. Fisher tweeted out his reply uh, the morning of this um, the morning of this um, uh, article. Uh, and it says here, uh, thank you for all of your support and for seeing through W seeing through WP pictures, despite and scattershot attempts to discredit me. This is Ray Fisher talking in his tweet um, to continue protecting those in power. I met with the investigator via Zoom on August 26th. Below is an email I sent to my team and um, SAG Afra immediately after. So he basically had his receipts from their allegations that. Uh, that he, you know, didn't meet with an investigator. So that doesn't look good on WB's part. Um, but last and uh, not least, because this is pretty much an ongoing thing, Justice League star Jason Momoa shows support for Ray Fisher amid Warner Brother investigation. Uh, so it says here, Jason Momoa is expressing solidarity with his fellow Justice League co-star Ray Fisher amid cyborg actors ongoing dispute with Warner Brothers, uh, the studio behind the superhero franchise. Momoa took to social media on Tuesday, posting a photo of Fisher on his Instagram story with the caption, I stand with Ray Fisher. Uh, Fisher shared Momoa's post on Twitter, writing accountability uh, over entertainment. Um, So, yeah, I know I just went through what all that was about. So there we go. Next. All right. Next up. Um. James Gunn is defending race-bending white characters um, as a result of a comment made on an Instagram uh, post 
um, by a fan that asked the filmmaker his thoughts on David Ayer casting Will Smith as Deadshot uh, in the previous Suicide Squad movie. As the fan put it, Deadshot, real name Floyd Lawton, is white in the comics and appeared as such in the Arrowverse. Uh, essentially, um, uh, Gunn goes on to say, it's innately discriminatory to think that what makes a character a character is his or her ethnicity and not his or her personality. What is it if it's not racism that David Ayer for casting Will Smith as Deadshot and John Watts for casting Zendaya as Mary Jane got thousands of times more shit for those choices than he did, speaking of James Gunn, for making Drax and Mantis aliens instead of humans in Guardians. I still gave him some crap for making Drax and Mantis aliens. <laughs> I gave him crap for, for messing with messing up um, Mantis, Mantis, period. Um, but the Drax thing, I'm see, that was the thing I meant to look up because I can't remember if that Drax miniseries that led into Annihilation was before Guardians or after Guardians, and I can't remember because I wanted to say he that kind of set him up as being an alien before Guardians. It was before, but Drax, the character we both know, goes back so Correct. far. Right. Classically, he was a human that ended up getting alien powers and blah 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 blah. But yes. Um. But that being said, with this, so I I take a slight issue with this because, uh, and somebody's going to say, well, you're making something out of nothing, whatever. Um, But, like, he's right on that. I will say that, 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 yeah, yeah, people gave him more shit about the Drax Mantis thing uh, uh, than the the other two sightings. Um, Give him less. Yeah, give him less. Yeah, yeah. Give him less. Excuse me. You're right. Um... But here's where I have a problem with, well, one, him and David Ayer, now that I think about it, because, um, yes, they did race Ben. Both of those characters mentioned Deadshot and uh, the upcoming Bloodsport. Uh, but I'm sitting here like, why did, one, Will Smith and uh, Idris Elsa were both well-known actors, but why did it have to be the gun-toting killers that they chose to race Ben? That's all I'm gonna say. I feel like there's, you know, there's, the, there, there's probably something there, d- despite what he said being, uh, 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 you know, something of truth. But I'm like, if, if he was gonna do something, you know, true, go all the way with it. Like, yeah, he did Drax and Mantis. So why not do, make it over? Then he might have, he might be doing. There's, there's probably something I'm overlooking with his casting of people, which I don't think so. But that's a whole thing. Um, next up. Uh, yeah, uh, I was about to say we're getting some communications, uh, someone really flexing on us right now. Um, wait, really? When you check, yeah, when you check your, uh, check your DMs in a, in a, in a minute. Um, huh. oh, okay. But, uh, I'm just finishing sending off a message in response. Um, next up. Uh, actually, no, you got the next one. I did the James Gunn. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, um, you're not meant to capitalize Star Wars's Tauntaun, and there's a suitably weird reason why. So apparently Tauntaun is lowercase for some reason. I don't think anybody put that put, put that much stock into it one way or the other, but okay. Uh, so anyway, welcome, friends, to what has become a recurring occasion where the, the, uh, the article writer just talks about silly Star Wars linguistics, apparently. Over the weekend, Lucasfilm story group member Matt Martin blew the, the, the article writer's mind with a shocking revelation. The Empire Strikes Back's Tauntauns, capital letter Tauntauns, are, aren't 
capital letter Tauntaun, their lowercase Tauntaun. Um, why this came up, I have no idea. Who was thinking about this at this at this at this point? Anyway, uh, as Martin went on to explain, he wasn't correcting people who have dared to defy Star Wars' official glossary inadvertently all these years, because well, gatekeeping such as such an odd thing in the first place would be weird. He was just hoping to shine a light on the kind of bizarre things Lucasfilm's story group has to keep in mind while shaping and maintaining the Star Wars world as we know it. Um, It's just not about making sure the timeline all tracks up uh, and that uh, whoever it is, whatever, whatever. Regardless, you get the the point. Um, I feel like um, this is a um, Twilight Twi'lek situation. Which no one still come up, come down on which one that was because we, as we have seen and heard in um, in Star Wars media, especially with whereas the the, the the animated stuff with Filoni and them, it's like they still continue to go both ways with it for some odd reason, and there's a justification by that. But I guess this could be one of those situations in a lesser sense. Next up. Next up, so these are spoilers. I don't intend to go through all these, but there are some major changes, major differences between the New Mutants movie and the storyline that they adapted uh, in the from they adapted, uh, you know, using the comics. That is the Demon Bear saga that we went over on a previous episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I'm not going through all these. This is pretty much a major spoiler, but you can definitely start with the setting. That is the first and foremost big change. So the setting of the movie is vastly different from the setting of the comic books that they are adapting. So, you know, it just goes from there. Wow, that was a little bit of a flex. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would do this. I will take this moment and I wish would, we could, we could put it up on Twitch, but we can't right now. Hopefully there is a way we will get at this, uh, but you can also go to our archives from a couple of months ago and watch our, um, episode on the Demon Bear Saga, where we talk about the, not only the Demon Bear Saga, but the beginning of, um, the, the, um, New Mutants, uh, original graphic novel. Fun times. Right. So head over, right. Head over to the Click Nation the Click Nation uh, YouTube uh, channel. Yep. Or your favorite podcast uh, source. Absolutely. So. Uh, or CSPN.us. There you go. Um, there you Star go. Trek Discovery Season 3 trailer jumps into the future, 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 future. So, excuse me, uh, to coincide with 54th anniversary of the TV debut of, of Star Trek's original series, CBS has unveiled a new trailer for the third season of Star Trek Discovery, which is set to premiere on October 15th. If you're in the U.S., where the show, uh, if you're in the U.S., the show will stream on CBS All Access. You can watch the full trailer via the tweet below. Uh, international viewers who will be able to watch the series on Netflix, which that's a weird thing, uh, starting October 16th. But I know Netflix handles international uh, licensing stuff for a lot of stuff overseas. They're so. much more widespread that exactly. way. Exactly. Yeah. Um, can watch it over on the official Star Trek website. Um, so yeah, and it just goes back to Discovery's two first two seasons were so they basically did time jump, not unlike what Enterprise did, but probably 
will be better regarded <laughs> than Discovery. Because I've weirdly enough seen some in, um, Enterprise hate as late as the last couple of days. For some reason, I have no idea why. Um, anyway, next up. So the G.I. Joe Origins Snake Eyes movie was originally set to release on October 23rd, 2020, but Paramount has pushed the release date back a full year due to COVID-19. The film is now set to hit theaters, hopefully, by October 22nd, 2021. It is the only wide-entry theatrical release slated for that October weekend, with both Universal slash Blumhouse slash Miramax's Halloween Kills and 20th Century Studios' The Last Duel, directed by Ridley Scott, set to debut the weekend before on October 15th, according to Deadline. So uh, talk about pushing it far away from any competition it might have. It, it will probably look. It's, the G, it's a GI Joe movie. Um, <laughs> the only competition in itself, and it will probably still hurt itself. Um, oh, no. I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful for this one. Like, there hasn't been a good GI Joe movie yet. It's slash the first one. Sans the first one, because, I mean, the, it's the first animated one, but even then, yeah. But I'm talking live action. Hopefully it's good. That's all I'm saying. You know. So next up, um oh, so next up we are going to push over into the comic book news. But uh matter of fact, yeah, go ahead and hit it. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. I'm going to call attention to our clickbait section clickbait section in our show notes, which you should see somewhere around the um this at some point after this show, if not, if you didn't catch it on Twitter, uh, or, you know, wherever you peruse your podcasts, uh, check out that there's some, there's some stuff in there. There wasn't a whole lot this week, but, uh, one of them, uh, has to do with Saturnin, which is Marvel's, uh, 10 of swords power player explained. Now, some of us of a certain vintage know who this person is and, uh, where they come from, but this is a nice little primer for that person. If you want to get to know him. So, that being said, into the comic book news. Uh, Death Metal revisits three DC Crisis and Trinity Crisis number one preview. We've already talked about that issue, so we can move on. Next. Excellent! <laughs> nice. All right, next up, uh, if there's one superhero in the DC universe that, that has had their reputation tarnished in the eyes of their peers, it's Adam Strange. Or okay. Uh, <laughs> gosh. Uh... After being implicated in the brutal murder of a man who accosted him during a book tour to promote his best-selling memoirs, Mr. Terrific accepted a request from Batman to investigate the matter with the presumption that this routine case would absolve Adam of any wrongdoing. What resulted instead was a mystery that began to call Adam's integrity into question as he did, as he and his wife, Alana, reacted defensively, lashing out at their old friends in the Justice League. So these are spoilers for uh, what book? Uh, Strange Adventures number five, which is which came out last week. Got it. Okay. Which none of us are reading apparently, even despite um, who's writing it and the stuff that we've liked from this crew before. Pretty much. Like I read the first issue and was like, okay, this is some this this seems along par, but it's also strange. It's kind of Mister Miracle Strange, uh, more so. But yeah, maybe I'll catch up. Who knows. Um, 
and I don't know if I don't think any of the other guys are reading this, but yeah. Next up, Wonder Woman finds the the perfect counter to DC's most dangerous weapon, and this is spoiler for last week's uh, Justice League number fifty two. I would say that there was something else who necessarily had a counter to what's going on. So basically, last week's uh, Justice League had to do with. Um, the Black Mercy coming back into play when the Justice was coming back to Earth or were on the way back to Earth. They ran into the Black Mercy some kind of way and most of the members uh, uh, succumbed to the the um, the thrall, let's say, of the, the Black Mercy. Um, um, and Wonder Woman kind of escaped, but again, like the Batman kind of wasn't really fully in the thrall because she was he was fighting the the whole thing all the way through the issue, but it led somewhere, and that was that. But basically, hey, with the help of the Lasso of Truth, uh, Wonder Woman escaped and freed the other members of the team, and they all went home. Uh, next up, all right. Next up, uh, just an announcement. Uh, DC's Batman Black and White Anthology series is coming back in late 2020. DC's bringing back its iconic Black and White uh, Anthology series with new creators and stories on December 8th. The list of creators contributing to Batman Black and White includes Paul Dini, Andy Kubert, Tom King, Mitch Gerards, Emma Rios, David Aha, Sophie Campbell, don't know why David Aha's repeated here, Chip Zdarsky, Nick Bradshaw, and many more. Yeah, I don't know. That that is weird, but but hey, you know, shout out to David Aha and that uh, and Hawkeye book with him and Fraction with it because that's some good shit. You should read that definitely. Um, and his art is gorgeous in it. Anyway, um, I'm looking through the 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 the, uh, the the images they have on here, and you can see it if you're watching the video. Is this Talia Al Ghul with Doctor Strange's cloak of levitation? That's what it seemed like. But I'm sorry. Um, like I said, if you if you're looking at the article, there's uh, some images from the I guess the um, yeah the from the six issue prestige format black and white uh, Batman black and white along with cover and preview pages can be found below. So yeah, but this was like Italia Al Ghul with Doctor Strange's lo- cloak of uh, levitation almost. In, in yeah, the I'm, shot. Just scrolling, I'm scrolling through it now. Because it's a couple of oh yeah I see yeah oh yeah it does definitely look like that but also bear in mind that uh, Rachel Al Ghul's oh, I know. cloak basically like a green version of it I know I know but I'm just saying from the shot yeah. it just kind of looks like that but it's like that's kind of funny yep. anyway next up all right next up uh, get myself back on target here um oh no wait wait did you do this original batman leads a new super that's this, this is yours no i didn't no i did the last one no i did the black and white anthology dc's original <laughs> batman <laughs> leads okay. a new super team in 80 page generations shattered uh a giant size one shot will quick kick off dc's generations event which is kind of funny because uh, uh marvel also had a generations event coincidence probably not anyway event with the original version of batman leading a team of classic heroes games radar has the first uh, that i this is kind of funny i'm supposed that's supposed to be uh newsarama but unless they just killed the name off 
Uh, Games Radar has the first look at Generations Shattered Number 1, which will launch DC's delayed event and see a slew of older takes on superheroes joining forces to save the universe. Uh, The one shot will span 80 pages and cost 10 bucks, finally beginning the storyline that DC intended to debut before COVID-19 halted production. The issue, which will see the 1939 iteration of The Dark Knight, arrives in January. I felt like I seen somewhere where someone had contentions with that because of some crisis killing um killing off that version of Batman or whatever. But hell, it's DC. Who even knows what's going on now? So, but you can check out um, some art and stuff uh, from it in this article. Next, all right. Next up, uh, the most recent issue of Shazam number fourteen just made a callback to one of the weirdest super teams in DC Comics' history. Could it be a preview of things to come, or is it just a fun throwback? Um, the uh, the most recent volume of Shazam, written by Jeff Johns and illustrated by Scott Collins and Dale Eaglesham, has uh, taken Billy Batson and his family across various realms, known you know various realms in the DC universe. Each of these dimensions is unique and deadly in their own way, but in Shazam number fourteen, the last issue of the series. Billy and his family return to the Magic Lands to help sort out the various problems plaguing them. In a passing test text about their time in the Game Lands, Billy mentions that he helped the Atari Force overthrow the Game Master. This may have seemed like a throwaway comment, a, li- a cool little connection to the theme of the Game Lands, but in actuality, the Atari Force is a super team decades old in DC lore. Yep. Uh, you know... I don't forget them. You know what my reaction was. Who? So. So, yeah. So, essentially, this was basically a a collaboration between DC and Atari, the the video game company. And they made a group of superheroes. A team. Kind of not unlike Challengers of the Unknown in a certain way. And I still don't necessarily know who those folks are that, that well. But I do remember this. So the rest of the article basically breaks down who the Atari Force was, uh, which is a kind of funny throwback, uh, if that's the case. Uh, How John Ridley's Other History of the DC Universe examines crisis events from a minority perspective. Uh, And I will take this time before I say anything, before I go in this article, is that uh, in the clickbait section that I have already mentioned, there is an article where this, uh, and a couple of the others I could have pulled uh, come from, but you can go ahead and watch. You can go ahead and see that interview from Polygon and John Ridley. Yes, that John Ridley, the writer of Twelve Years a Slave, um, uh, in the clickbait section. Clickbait section. So anyway, John Ridley's other side, other history of the DC universe was announced two years ago, which uh, is coming out soonish. Not on the, I think in a couple of weeks if not next week. Uh, now the author is revealing more details about his upcoming book, particularly why he chose to tell the story from a minority lens. Uh, Ridley told Polygon, for me, quote, quote, for me, going into it was less about just rehashing, say, Crisis on Infinite Earths, but really get into, say, a character's difficult relationship with Superman. If you're a character of color and you're faced with bias and you're faced with intolerance, and you see an individual who is literally an alien, but because of his forward-facing facade, his visage, his passport is stamped. And at the same time, uh, when people have a difficult relationship with anyone, 
Uh, but something like Cartel on Infinite Earth happens and Supergirl is killed. How do your characters react? How do they react to Superman? And how do they re- reconcile how they feel about this individual? But at the same time, he was out there trying to do right. He was out there trying to do certain things. So, um, does it say... Yeah, so the other side of... The other history of the DC universe, which was supposed to come out, um, I think, during COVID or something. Or either that or he ended up getting sidetracked. I can't remember what the issue was. But it is now coming out. I think it was because of COVID, though. But... It is set to hit store shelves November 24th. Next. All right, next up. Um, and there's an old 80s song that keeps popping into my head when I read this headline. Meet Sister Dagger, the new Marvel character positioned as a breakout star in Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi will be returning in a new limited series this fall, not far from now. Mm-hmm. But another martial arts character is coming with him who Marvel is positioning to be a breakout star sister dagger i keep the sister christian song keeps popping into my head every time i read that sister dagger um her time has come will debut oh no <laughs> you have to give a certain finish to we'll that debut reference. In september. <laughs> we'll debut in september 30th shang chi number one as one of the members of the five weapon society oh it's very uh, uh, you know, you can see where um, several influences from the uh, um, uh, the Fraction and the Brubaker uh, Iron Fist, Immortal Iron Fist story. You know, in terms of the naming mechanism, the naming. Also, funny enough, there's a um, there was a old uh, there was a comic uh, miniseries called The Five Weapons that was from another comp- uh, company. Uh, actually, it was actually pretty good, kind of uh, Umbrella Academy leash sort of. But anyway. Right, where this naming mechanism comes in, comes in. It's a newly revealed group whose history is said to go back centuries. Sister Dagger is the champion of the House of the Deadly Dagger, an organization based in France with a mansion secluded away behind a waterfall. Okay. So I would like to point out that, again, that five weapons thing um, that I just mentioned kind of sounds familiar in that respect also. But um, this pretty much seems like what they did with Iron Fist and gave them a, a, a new kick-ass uh, partner to uh, to um, to to ride along with. So I'm right, delving into his. Even though let's not let's not kid here, Iron Fist's um, backlog of you know his his history of, of of back issues pales pales in comparison to how many uh, Master of Kung Fu and Deadly Hands of Kung Fu issues there are. There's a bunch out there. That's true. And, and uh, you know, but, but at the same time, they do have to modernize it because it, they were written uh, in a certain era. And they do have to uh, modernize some of Shang-Chi's uh, storylines, you know, obviously dealing with who his father is in the new movie. Um, they have to modernize that somewhat. So uh, they have to modernize that definitely. Forget somewhat. So you can you can understand them uh, trying to prime the pump here and give Shang Chi some new characters to uh, to play around with. Sure, even yeah, I mean, despite him already having that with kind of sort of having that with um, the Agents of Atlas, sort of right. I mean, that's definitely more of a superhero bend to it, right? But you know, yeah, a little bit more closer to him, right? Exactly. So. so I get uh, that. That's it. Next up. Next up. Um, there was something else I was going to say. I don't remember, but regardless, it doesn't matter. 
the good news that I think Motor is actually still, huh? I was about to say the, the rest of the song keeps popping into my head. Motor Ray. <laughs> <laughs> uh, basically, every Black Panther comic is free on Comicsology right now, and as of the time of this recording, I believe that it still holds true because this has been a week going on for like a week at this point. Is it? That's pretty cool. Yeah. Actually, let me check and make sure because I had this, this link pulled up for a reason. Take advantage um, of it, ladies and gentlemen. Indeed. I did. Indeed. Yeah. I so yeah, I basically so yeah, that looks like it's still free. And let me just look at let's see the, the most recent volume free. Yeah, so we can safely say that it's, as of this recording, um uh it's still going on. So yeah, uh comics out so after the death of uh Chadwick Bozeman, um yeah, this this pretty much comicsology decided to, and Marvel obviously because you know they had to have some say in it. Marvel and comicsology decided to uh, make these uh, make all of the the issues that they have up for the Black Panther. Most of them free because there is a couple of things that are still not because I think there's a Black Panther X Men crossover uh, that is not free. Okay, uh, but if you do a search for Black Panther and you go through series. Uh, there is a link in the show notes that'll, that'll that'll help you out. You can kind of go through a lot of that, and you'll see the, the you'll see that marked as free if it's still going on when you listen to or see this um, this uh, podcast goes up. But definitely take right. advantage of it because it's a lot, it's a good bit of stuff. Right. Um, Don't wait. Don't wait because, as Roddy Cap mentioned, this has been going on for a while now. We communicated to each other through back channels, and I have to give credit where credit is due. At Matt Wang ninety seven definitely messaged me about this as well so i made sure to pass this on yes yeah, i had already saw it by the time you had messaged i just didn't message you guys for and that was right. an error on exactly. my part more, exactly that was more of a reminder than anything right uh so uh but it was nice that uh you know we were all communicating with each other to uh to get uh to get our hands on uh, our, our 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 hands on our grubby mitts basically on yeah. all of this free content that uh, you know, admittedly, a lot of it is on Marvel Unlimited, but it's nice to have on uh, com- through Comicsology. Right? Yeah, it, it'll be yours as, as opposed to basically renting it. Um, so yeah, so like the, it is. It is um, the old series is like a bunch of Marvel action stuff. It is definitely the, the definitive version of uh, the, the the pre stuff, the Hudlin stuff. Um, I believe they mentioned uh, the the miniseries that one of their former writers, Gizmodo's from, former writers, uh, Evan Arces, uh wrote that stuff. Uh, so yeah, it's a good bit of stuff if you don't have it, or if you're filling holes and stuff, you know. Uh, and it goes up to you know Tanahishi's uh, current run that he's just about actually what is just about finished or it's finished. I can't remember it at this point, but regardless, it. Uh, the Shuri stuff from like right after Doomore. Actually, I don't think Doomore is in there either. Uh, the Black Panther Deadpool stuff is in there also. So yeah, it's a, it's a good bit of stuff you can go you can go get. Um, so I'm just like I own all this Tanahasi. I definitely own all of the Tanahasi mm-hmm. stuff. So well, there was a couple uh, of issues I didn't get because I think at the yeah there was a couple of issues I think I didn't get because I was getting them physical and then they stopped doing the 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 um codes the codes in the books so i did fill up a couple of gaps in that and uh, some other stuff right right but, right but i definitely yeah. have physical copies of most of you no know, of all of the tanahasi stuff right. and the pre stuff i have like little bits and pieces the hudlin stuff i have more uh yeah. but still bits and pieces so 
um, I definitely appreciated having all this stuff on tap. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I have all or most of the Cree stuff, and I think I have, definitely have the collections of it. And I'm not sure how much huddling stuff I had. I know I had some issues, but I don't think I had them all. So, yeah, there you go. Next up. Uh, all right. Uh, Richard, I was about to ask the next one. Well, I was going to say, well, okay. Oh, I was about to say, I got the next one because uh, you got the fun one uh, talking about everyone getting uh, Black Panther comics for free on Comicsology. <laughs> so for those old school Fantastic Four fans still getting used to little Franklin Richards rocking black hair and a stud in his ear, he's now added a full-on X-Men uniform to his more mature look. Marvel has given Newsarama readers, uh, Games Radar, uh, a first look at a splash page from September 30th, Fantastic Four number 24, featuring Franklin, whose status as a mutant has been on and on and an off and on source of storylines for Marvel for decades, True. hanging with his ex friends on Krakoa. So uh, that's pretty cool. And uh, you get, um, uh, whatchamacallit? Uh, you get uh, Franklin shooting through New York's Washington Square Park on his way to the FF's unassuming four Yankee Street headquarters with Iceman. And uh, it turns out he and the FF got history, and that's when we go into that that long that that long tease story by Slot about uh, Iceman being a uh, substitute member of the Fantastic Four. Right. Yes. Yeah. Slot just kind of dropped this like a uh, bunch of issues ago, and we were like, "Wait, what?" Uh, right. And we knew he was going to get back to it, and now it's coming up in a couple of weeks. So look forward to that with the next issue of Fantastic Four. Um, we kind of talked about this already, so we don't necessarily need to go into it in that Marvel may have confirmed a long time Kate pride fan theory. And that was the theory that she may be, uh, bisexual, uh, uh, given what happened in this week's, uh, Marauders number 12. Like I said, we already talked about it. We can push on next. Right up. Next up. The Dawn of X relaunch has caused many changes in the X-Men's lore and Wolverine is no exception. Uh, Marvel recently announced that the Claude Canuck. Oh, it's so funny when I see that. It's such a it's a callback. Uh, Marvel recently announced that Wolverine would get a new arch nemesis, Solom. So, you know, Sabretooth is sort of rehabilitated. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, Marvel Marvel statement reads: Meet Wolverine's new arch nemesis in Ten of Swords. The rest of the description says Thor has Loki. Spider-Man has the Green Goblin, and now Wolverine has Saber... I mean, Solom. Don't miss the first appearance of Wolverine's new arch-nemesis in Ten of Swords, Chapter 3, Wolverine Number 6, on sale in October. And there is a look... You can get a look of Solom uh, in the article with the text reading, Who is Solom? Wolverine's terrifying new arch-nemesis revealed. Hmm. I mean, it kind of makes sense, because, like, well, it shouldn't be uh, a mutant anymore, now that they're all... Kumbaya on Krakoa. Um, and also, like, I feel like this is kind of mirroring, not necessarily mirroring, but this is kind of like what's going over in Spidey with Kindred. Like, oh, let's gin up somebody new so we can give them something to shake it up. We'll see how this works out because I'm not reading. I think you're reading Wolverine, aren't you? I am. I am. And this is giving Ben Percy uh, an opportunity to, in- to uh, introduce a brand new uh, character and a brand new villain. So, villain. So that we don't get, I hate to say this, say this, a retread of Sabretooth again. Yeah. Because anyone who has collected the Wolverine uh, individual, you know, the, the, the solo series over the years, and I count myself among that, 
among those people. You know, uh, inevitably you see Sabretooth being recycled as a main villain in a main story, you know, in a prime storyline, in a long storyline during that run, during a run of uh, the solo book. Hmm. Next up, when this thing, there we go. X-Men Triage and Tempest go solo with Liberty and Justice for All prose novel. Uh, the cover to the upcoming X-Men prose novel Liberty and Justice for All has been revealed. This is part of Aconite's Marvel prose novel series and the kickoff line for its X-Men specific line, Xavier Institute. Uh, written by Carrie Harris, Liberty and Justice for All follows the Young Mutants Triage and Tempest as they uh, take off on their first solo mission without any supervision from adult uh, X-Men. And why do they look like Cloak and Dagger? I do not know. Anyway, um, or they remind me of Cloak and Dagger, I should say. Anyway, uh, as a part of their training at the new Charles Xavier Institute, Triage and Tempest are, which I thought that wasn't even a thing anymore, uh, Triage and Tempest are allowed to attempt their first solo flying mission, reads uh, Aconite's description of the book. Some way into the mission, they pick up an urgent SOS mis- uh, message. Sentinels are attacking a superpowered mutant who is struggling to protect an injured politician. When they abandon their lesson and answer the call, however, the identity of both will cause the two young X-Men far more problems than they bargained for. So, yeah, that is a new prose um, thing that is going on, along with some others that is mentioned or at least another that is mentioned in the um, uh, in this article. You can check that out whenever it comes out on October. Nope, that's October sixth, the second one, November third. Next. All right. Next up, writer Kurt Busiek um, is returning to Amazing Spider-Man for a new untold quote-unquote tale with uh, issue number eight fifty. So this is the next issue of. Amazing Spider-Man is going to be the big uh, 850th anniversary issue. It's going to be a big blowout issue, even though technically it's number 49 of the new series. Um, in addition to the, a lead story from the current run's creators, they are also welcoming Spider-Man creators of the past, including Kurt Pusiek and Chris Boccolo and Tim Townsend. Um, the story is going to be themed as a spiritual continuation of BCX 90 series, untold tales of Spider-Man. Um, uh, the, the, the story is called all you need is, and it's a short take on Peter Parker back in his college days for some classic action and even a classic villain, the red Raja. Okay. So, you know, uh, this is a kind of a longer, uh, interview with, uh, Busiek, but um, I would say it's probably worth reading because uh, he's definitely someone worth following. Indeed. Next up, we get into a little bit of gaming corner. Hey! Uh, Marvel Spider-Man gets limited print for a second anniversary. Believe it or not, Marvel Spider-Man, released on the PlayStation 4 two years ago, uh, and wow, it does seem to be, it has been, it doesn't seem like it's been that long. Uh, by the way, Good uh, video game. I've said it before. I'll say it again. That's right. The best-selling PlayStation exclusive is celebrating another birthday. And to commemorate the occasion, a new limited print variation, uh, variant is releasing in collaboration with Grey Matter Art and freelance artist Chun Lo. The piece uh, shows Spider-Man in his anti-Oc. That's O-C-K. Um... I don't even know why I have felt the need to say that. But suit that's been put through the ringer with his Insomniac Games uh, design suit underneath. 
the piece is an 18 by 24 with varnish finish and encompassing nine colors with metallic inks. The print will be limited to 100 numbered pieces and will be available later today as of three days ago. Um, as of this recording. Uh, so it's out now, basically. Uh, and you can see the print right there on the uh, if you're watching the video. Boom. Next. All right. So uh, are you planning on streaming Marvel's Avengers? I'm not, but Roddy Cat is. I'm actually uh, have. <laughs> What's that? That's what I actually have. There you go. Avengers, the Avengers site at squareenixgames.com um, just dropped a few, a new set of hero-specific streamer kits, which can be used to showcase your current favorite character or mixed and matched as desired. The kits include overlays, interstitial slides, alert graphics, and more. Enjoy! Um, Nerd alert! You gotta love it. So yeah, if you're if you're watching this stream, you can see uh, some of the issues. I mean, some of the uh, images uh, of the various stuff in there. So it's hey, it's free. Check it out. You know, get granted it's free marketing for them. But if you're planning on streaming the game anyway, go for it. Like like I said, there's emotes and overlays and stuff that you can use as pre-done, and you just have to plug in. You know your your own things in it. Uh, I know somebody who's actually used uh, some of this stuff, uh, and I might actually take part of it myself if i if and or when i plan to stream the game again so um which hopefully it's going to be sometime soon even though i've been trying to play a little bit off, offline next up though uh exclusive retro dr doom marvel legends figure now available here so uh this is actually kind of old news at this point because this is from the 31st of, of august but uh and i don't remember if we talked about this or not, but we right, because missed out on the pre-order. Right. Uh, but we definitely have been talking about the retro figures that, uh, that, uh, Marvel Legends has been done. I am actually, I forgot to tell agent 70 that, uh, I went into a Walgreens to look for the civil centurion that supposedly is uh, rumored to be kind of out, out already, uh, to which he, he said he's found, but I haven't found it yet. At least I, but I only went to one Walgreens. I was about to say I haven't seen it yet personally, but I've oh. I've seen uh, live in hand uh, photos. Right. So it's making its way around the country, but you know distribution being what it is, especially at Walgreens, you never know. True. So I thought, but, I did see a couple of others though. Like there was like um, so they had Arnold. As a matter of fact, I meant to send you pictures, but I think you may already have it. They had Arnold Stark. Arnold, I have. Yeah, but so there was a stack of those. But then I saw it was like, did they have Moon Knight? Because that's the most recent one. Uh, I've seen it there before, but not then. They didn't have any then. Uh, but I did see like there was like the, there was, came in and swept in. <laughs> probably like there was a, a matter of fact, there was another section that was just uh, so there was like three. It looks like there was three sections of it, and um, one section was gone. But the Arnold was there, and then there was a section with like had uh, Wasp, which is a perpetual uh, peg warmer apparently at this point. But behind right. it. Behind her, there was like a Medusa, and wow. there was a Medusa and somebody else. I almost picked up that Medusa actually, because I think I already yes. have. I do already have a, a Medusa. Was well, any of the FF characters? Because remember, the FF characters were a Walgreens exclusive. They have had uh, Invisible Girl, Invisible Woman before. They might have actually had one then. Now that I think about it, yeah, there might have been a, an Invisible Woman with Herbie there also. I took pictures of it, but I don't have it with me right now. But because interesting, of, interesting. Yeah. I mean, you never know with Walgreens because sometimes they're just trying to get rid of the stuff that they had, you know, that someone 
you know, decided to maybe tuck away. Maybe that person doesn't work there anymore. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, it was like, hey, we found this box in the back with stuff. And I'm like, I'll put it out. I don't know. The product was exactly. rich. Damn it. Hey, as long as the barcodes come up, you know, they can price it. They don't have to price it. It just, you know, it's already yeah, in their no, system. Prices, yeah, exactly. The prices were already on them, so that wasn't a problem. But it was like, yeah, they were just just happened to be mishpots. But back to the Doctor Doom. So, yeah, the, the, the retro Doctor Doom figure is out. Uh, I haven't seen it anywhere local to me. Uh, according to here, the, this was an Entertainment Earth exclusive, I guess. So that would explain that. But you can see the pictures of the, the classic Doctor Doom figure uh, and all of the accoutrements. Right. Uh, I was going to say it was. It started out as, I believe, a Hasbro Pulse. Probably, yeah. Uh, exclusive, and that sold out, and that's what I missed out on. But now it's moved to, uh, I guess, exclusively to Entertainment Earth to pre-order, and the pre-order is still available. Hmm. Um, I'm not sure. I've got plenty of Doctor Dooms now. Um this does ring true to his earliest, earliest appearances mm-hmm. because it does have like the jetpacks in the back with like the additional, um, you know, uh, 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 jet fire, like repulsor style um, effects that you can put on. It has him uh, with some magic um, uh, effects that you can put around his wrists. It comes with uh, extra hands. It comes oddly with, another ultimate nullifier and i'm like wait that came with the walgreens reed richards and that's essentially the only character i think that should be wielding it but hey i mean people decide- have had their Reed- hands on the yeah but so there's been a number of people who have had their hands on the ultimate nullifier so right it's, it's but not the one- outside of the pro- it's not outside of the possibility right but the one well the two kind of really cool things that this character comes with and the entertainment or the the cbr uh, article doesn't show it, but I want to see if um, the images on Entertainment Earth do it more justice. the The character comes with two books, and this is something that's recent. Uh, that's a recent um, uh, uh, accessory for Marvel Legends figures. I know that they did a Beast figure with uh, books with a with a book as accessory, the Gray Beast figure that came out. But unfortunately, these images don't. Actually, the the image of the figure in uh, the figure in its packaging, I think, showcases it best. It looks like Doctor Doom is packaged with open copies of the Book of Vishanti and the Darkhold. And you know, if any character should have at least the, the Book of Vishanti, it should be Doctor Strange. But it, I definitely understand why Doom would have a copy of the Darkhold. Right. So. Anyone that is looking to recreate some magic stuff, maybe, uh, you know, it may be worth it just to jump on this Doom. Like I said, it's very faithful to his earliest appearances, like the way he looks with the kind of a cloth um, upper underneath his, uh, you know, like around his uh, chest and his um, his neck area and his shoulders. That's very um, that's very faithful to his earliest appearances. And with the jetpack effects on the back, that's also cool, too. But you know, the capper might be having copies of the Darkhold and um, and the Book of Ashanti hmm. uh, come with this too. You know, I'm still on the fence, but I'm definitely get, leaning towards getting this because I was disappointed that I was uh, I didn't get to the um, the Hasbro Pulse pre-order fast enough. I may have to uh, use Entertainment Earth to get this, or at least try to pick this up. Um, you know, when it hits the market in the fall. You know, later on in the fall. <clears throat> yeah, I mean. 
And I myself thinking, man, if you just had that and just like they have it on, I guess the box art have it to where there's a uh, where he's shooting out. Like you kind of have it like um, Spider-Man is amazing friends. Like that scene where they're in the intro where he does that. But anyway. Oh, yeah. right, 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 right. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's pretty I'm 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 still pretty much on the fence about it, but I am leaning towards getting it because of what I just mentioned. Right. But uh, next up, um, music mogul Akon is bringing Black Panther to life by building a city based on Wakanda. The recording artist announced his plans on social media and is already a third of the way toward raising the $6 billion needed to complete the city. Senegal will play host to the Mecca and people on social media were thrilled to see the concepts. The kind of Afrofuturism that made Black Panther really sing on screen is everywhere in the renders on Akon's site. He called it an honor to be in the same breath as the dazzling fictional city, especially after the passing of Chadwick Boseman, who helped millions of fans see themselves on screen. Akon City is still a dream for the moment, but the increased exposure this week will no doubt attract more investors to the project. Hmm. So it's worth noting that Akon, actually, there's been a a few different stories in the past few years about Akon kind of doing things uh, like, well, not like this, like this is the biggest thing, but being more tech forward and, and getting into stuff in, in, um, in Senegal or, or wherever. So, you know, good on him. Yeah, for, well, get him yeah, for I was that. about to say, he doing um, something with um, with uh, generating power and, and yes. getting power to... And I think right. that might be, probably okay. might be in service of this. Or, well, not in service of this, but that was just like for helping places in Africa just in general that, that are, can't do it himself. But yeah. So like there's been a lot of stuff like that that he's been doing over the past few years to which I'm and, and it feels bad to say this is like wait did they kinda you got that kind of money to be doing this kind of stuff? Which is a terrible thing to say, but you know mm-hmm. like most of us know him from the, the you know, from the one hit, you know, that we know of him doing. He's had music since then, obviously, you know, and he's been clearly doing stuff. So right. I, and he's a collaborator too, so he definitely works with other artists and Correct. you know, he's definitely got um So I'm not trying to, you know, I ain't trying to, you know, the, the, you know, lessen the man shine because he's doing big things right. that we wish more people would do, not only just there in Africa, but here also. Right. Uh, Apparently he's a record yeah, I was about to say he's a he, he his uh, record label's been pretty uh his record labels have been pretty successful. So right. good on him. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the Expanse expands to comic books with new in-continuity story building up to season five. Um, I will just go ahead and say right here, watch The Expanse. It's a very good sci-fi show if you're into uh, hard sci-fi shows. Uh, the Amazon Prime series the Expanse is expanding to comic books. There's also a set of books before the show, but that's whatever. Uh, the Amazon Prime series The Expanse is expanding to comic books again with a new limited series to Boom Studios. Booms the Expanse picks up right after the four seasons finale, which I now think about. I need to catch up on, and will be an incontinuity story bridging the upcoming fifth season. Uh, the longtime Secretary General of the United States, Christian um, Abasala, of Abasarala, uh, finds herself dealing with the outcome of uh, the tumultuous elections for her position, and far from Earth, uh, but not its politics. Reads Booms' description. So uh, when Bobby Draper, a former Marine, oh, that's right, I do remember this part, brings uh, Avasala intel on an intergalactic black market weapons ring, um, she sees the chance to reclaim her political position, 
because that's what Christian does, through a clandestine operation. But as Dripper digs through deeper into the secret cabal, she soon realizes that the threat they pose is far larger and closer to home than either one of them ever imagined. I love the character of Christian. Uh, I have just gotten to know the character of Bobby Draper, also a pretty kick-ass character. Um, I, I love that show. That's all. I need to catch up. Next up. All right. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler alert for any of you uh, Whovians out there. Um, uh the you know the, the this actually includes spoilers for Doctor Who Time Lord Victorious number one by James Goss Jody Hauser and a whole bunch of other people. Um, it's on sale now. Um, so it kicks off the multi-platform crossover event by creating an intriguing paradox. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! The time war has been erased. I'm not going to go into uh, all of the uh, minutia, but that's essentially the crux of the event. I will. No. Um, have fun. I was about to say have fun because that's as much as I'm willing to go into. It, I so. mean, I, yeah, I'm not going to go too far because we're also we're kind of you know time slipping away from this. But um, so this is kind of a big deal because so there was a whole a whole doctor that was quote-unquote birth in the time war let's just say uh and this erasing that could potentially erase that doctor and uh, so the time war is a thing that kind of has come up um a few different times in doctor who lore and actually i'm not really going to go into all that i was just saying that but but it's kind of a thing and i think this this um them erasing it which i guess it's doctor who that makes some sort of sense it's kind of a big deal because of you know how big and bad that that um, that war was, um. But yeah, I don't know. Now, granted, like I said, and it, it doesn't. If it is, if that, if it did indeed erase it, and it is indeed canon, and where wherever it's going to take the story is going to take it, could you know, uh, be implica- implications on something for the series at large? I guess, sort of. But definitely, it has to do with the eighth, ninth, and tenth doctors. The eighth is the one that that it, it was the one that was born out of the the time war. Some would not call them a doctor, but it's, it is a doctor in name and so on and so forth. That's a whole big thing. We're not going to get into it. But that's the thing. Uh, I may actually pick this up and read it. I don't know, but you can check it out. I think it came out last week, um, and I'm not sure if we got a, a review copy of it or not. But regardless, we'll see. Next up. Um, yeah, I got it. Uh, Johans, I hope that, or Johanse, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, so my apologies for that. The African space opera graphic novel drops its first trailer. Uh, like many, many pop culture conventions taking place this year, Dragon Con has also gone virtual, which he has, that happened last weekend, uh, virtually, uh, to entertain fans during the Labor Day weekend. One of the many announcements to come from Dragon Con is the release of an official trailer for Johanse, Johanse, um, an African space opera graphic novel by Paul Louise Julie, Julie and the Midas Monkey Studio. Uh, quote, it was a bumpy road to get here, but after a year in pre-production, the trailer is here and we're on to the second phase of this incredible project. Louise Julie told CPR and you can see the trailer and images from it uh, in the article and you should probably check that because it looks cool next up alright next up 
while Andy Serkis might be best known for his physicality, um, you know, we know he uh, he does a lot of mocap work out there, but we also know him as Claw. And we also know him as, uh, you know, obviously we know him best as, uh, or at least most recently, best as uh, Gollum. Um, he also has a fantastic voice, which he uses as Gollum, and has put that voice to good use in a new audiobook for The Hobbit, which is available now. Back in May, which, you know, while most of the world was still under strict lockdown, Circus spent 12 hours reading The Hobbit cover to cover in a Hobbitathon, live streamed for charity. Then in July, HarperCollins announced that a new audiobook of The Hobbit would feature Andy Circus, presumably for everyone who missed out on the live streamed version. If you don't, you know, uh, the now the audiobook is available on the official Tolkien Estate Facebook page has released a neat behind-the-scenes video showing Circus delivering the iconic opening of the book. Precious. Circus does actually have a pretty good voice. I, 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 you know, um, his rendition of Claw. Actually, no, I was actually pretty. I, I was I was going to say something about that, but yeah, it, yeah, it was. I was what, the thing is what I was going to say is that the part about Claw is that he never transformed into the character we're familiar with. Oh, the full silver. True. true. That's true. Kicker. That's yes. the kicker. So really played, and that obviously, I honestly believe that still leaves open the possibility of him coming back in the full sound version, even though he was killed off. Right. We don't know. Well, yet. yeah, they could do something. You know, like that. yeah, exactly. If that the character has has not, you know, uh, has has uh, you know, kind of uh, gone away the gone the way the dodo. In fact, um, enough. There was a comic. Yeah, there was a thing in a Black Panther comic where the, that totally could do something along the right. lines right. That, exactly. that involves claw the, right and go through the transformation like in a different way just to transform them into a being of solid sound right so but um uh i wanted to wrap before we hit our last ad read of the night i was just um um hitting up cbr for any last second news and i noticed that and it's not a big surprise baltimore comic-con 2020 is going all digital just like new york and, you know, because Baltimore follows right on the heels of New York in October. So it's no surprise that they are going all digital and uh, they've announced some 2021 guests, you know, some holdovers who have already confirmed that they're going um, to Baltimore in 2021. The only reason why I'd like to bring this up is because this year I had fully intended, fully intended to attend Baltimore for the first time, just to drive down there um, you know, over the over the last several years, I've had people ask if I was going to attend Baltimore right on the heels of New York. I often said, you know, uh, it was a little too soon after spending so much money at New York. Right. It's a little bit of a big hit, um, you know, to do them back to back like that. But I had fully intended to, you know, at least drive down and just kind of get the feel of Baltimore Comic Con. So I'm hoping that next year. That we're back at full force, and uh, I'll have a chance to hit up both New York and Baltimore in the same year, and you know, hopefully, uh, make a, make a nice little trip of it. So, hopefully, next year. Hopefully, yep. Even then, I would say probably have a mask on you because. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was about to say, uh, you know, unless certain things come through, uh, like a vaccine, I think uh, we're all going to be still in 2021 rocking at least having the mask on or at least having you know especially once you get indoors having it in your pocket to put on yep 
All right, uh, Ed Reed. Our last Ad Reader of the Night is for Wink, because we need some wine, we need some drink, the personalized wine club. Uh, Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From rosé to cabernet to tonente, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Have you ever tried an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your tastes and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash wink. That's cspn.us forward slash W-I-N-C. Wink Wines through CSPN. Do it today. And as we come to the end of another episode of the Comic Book Chronicles, I would like to thank each and every one of you fine folks for coming up as you stare at my frozen moon mug. Um, that's also reversed somehow. I don't know why that keeps happening. But... Um, Yes, this, this is the show for tonight. Uh, thank you for coming out. All that kind of good jazz. It's always yes. gremlins. It's always gremlins the first time we start doing something new. Yeah, but this is something that's been happening the last couple of weeks, so I have no idea what's going on. But thank you for everybody who uh, has wa- who was watching us record. Like I said, we'll be out like three weeks. I'll get into that in a second. I have been Roddy Cat. Uh, you can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me at NewsNestNeed on Twitter. You can also find me at uh, CBCaps on Instagram. <laughs> You could also find Agent 70 on tw- Twitter and uh, Instagram. And it's Agent underscore 70, by the way. Yes. Can't forget that. Maybe we'll get him into streaming on Twitch. Who knows? As he says, now, nah, don't, 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 don't hold your breath on that. Um, <laughs> PCN underscore Dirt, who I believe has had actually done some streaming on he said but regardless, regardless, PCN underscore Dirt on Twitter, PopCultureNet on Twitter, PopCultureNetwork.com, and all those umbrella sites they're in. Uh, also, you can find him at the Vine Replacement Byte, B-Y-T-E, under the name Comic Reviews, no vowels. Uh, Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8, the Osiris Citizen-ish. There would not be a show without Tim. There would not be this particular show without Tim, actually. Um, uh, you can find him at Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter. You can also find him at CBCron, which is the Comic Book Chronicles uh, Twitter account, which probably needs to be updated with the, the, the Twitch link. But oh, I don't have to ask him about that. You can also find him on, um, excuse me, the Click Nation. That's D K I L I Q N A T I O N on Twitter, and also theclicknation.com, but also at Comic Book Resources, where he's over there writing his face off, which is part of the reason why he's not here. <laughs> um, you can find this here program. On the Coastal of the Podcast Network, that's cspn.us. Do it today. Yes. Um, you can also find this here podcast on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, uh, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network SoundCloud page. 
Uh, we record every 30 Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m., let's say, around that time on the Click Nation's YouTube channel. And also now, like I've said, on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash comicbookchronicles. Um, follow it. You know, Jones, hopefully we will get some more content up there. Excuse me. Uh, going on further, we get some streamings done. You know, we'll 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 be doing some stuff on the show. I got to put the bios and stuff, and, but we'll we'll definitely get that out. But obviously, join us for definitely recordings. Uh, you know, every week. And with that, folks, we will return next week. Uh, same bad channel, same bad channel. The audio version of this program does go out probably around Saturday usually around Saturdays on Coastal of the Podcast Network, but there will be, you can check the CSPN.us uh, um, uh, Twitter account or the CSPN, excuse me, media account for that. And we will try to do better about tweeting out when the show, uh, you know, hits the, uh, hits those places. Absolutely. And with that, folks, this has been the Comic Book Chronicles. Peace. Peace. One. Good evening, Rick. Would you believe it's, it's Dr. Doom? What's on your...